Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'll hit record. Should we just get, get into it then? Just get going. Hello, Egg Chasers. It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. And we are back after the second round of Heineken Champions Cup and Challenge Cup games. We will be talking about that, but so much more besides. As I am down here in the rugby dungeon, uh, I'm Tim with JB. Hello, Tim. Hello. And uh, from the Egg Chasers TMO shipping container, it's Phil. Hello. Hello, Tim. Hello, JB. Good, good weekend, gentlemen. Awesome weekend. One of the best weekends I've had in a long, long time. Because you not only did you watch rugby, you were involved in an actual game of rugby. Yes, that is, that is right. An actual game broke out. We're going to have to talk about that in a little bit. How about you, Phil? How's your garden? Uh, garden's okay. Done a little bit of lift and shift this weekend. I've got so much just crap to get rid of. How is, uh, you, how is your very fast car, Phil? Ooh, my very ca- fast car. Uh, has not left the drive this weekend, actually. No! With your garden, no, Phil... Oh, sorry, go on. Go on. You can you explain explain your fast car being in the, on the drive and no, no more. Because other than a couple of trips to the tip uh, and a trip to see some lights uh, in the mud at Heaton Park, I've not been anywhere. Uh, so I didn't want to do those horrible, muddy activities in my new fast car. I wanted to do it in my wife's old, slower car. But you do have four-wheel drive on your new fast car now, so you could have gone on all sorts of roads, couldn't you? Really? I, I could. I could have gone anywhere. You're rallying. Literally anywhere. Uh, so I was thinking about your garden and your description of the, the lift and shift stuff. Surely there is a, a, a spit-and-sawdust type boxer uh, who could use your garden as a training camp, like Rocky Four. <laughs> <laughs> it is, I remember doing... God, it was a pre-season thing with Sedgley... Um, this is about 15 years ago now, um, where we went up to the Lake District and to the Forest of Grisdale and got, we had a a good day of training. Uh, We got nice and drunk, a barbecue on the Saturday night, nice and drunk. And then on the Sunday morning, we got woke at like 6am, maybe even slightly earlier, dragged back to uh, the the woods, the hillside, and forced to carry these enormous logs up and down the hillside in teams of four. And actually, probably some of the, the lift and shift that I've been doing this weekend, 
maybe not quite as tough as that, but it's definitely um, there's comparisons to it. So there you go, team building business, rugby pre-season team building business in your back garden. In in my back garden, absolutely, yeah. I could do with a few more pairs of hands. Egg chasers, uh, management consultants. Perfect. Team building consultants. (laughs) Love it. If, If your team want to come and... You know, we want to pay us an extortionate amount of money to uh, do Phil's garden. To do Phil's garden, then yeah, <laughs> get, get in touch. Uh, you can get in touch, by the way, at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. Also, contact eggchasers at gmail dot com, and we will have a special bonus podcast coming in your feed very soon, where we are. It's going to be a mailbag podcast. Yeah, got so many good emails, so many good emails and questions, and and we thought just as a little extra gift um, around this festive period, we, we will do that. So hit subscribe in your feed wherever you get your podcast, be it Acast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Castbox, Pocket Cast, uh, Player FM, or wherever, or wherever. So I, I do though just think among our listeners, there's a lot of people that I reckon this week what what should be um, quite a joyful and uh, heartwarming period in an otherwise dark winter is going to be the darkest week of all. So I I, I just want to say to anyone listening. Having a bit of a tough time of it, and I, I will be perfectly honest. I've had a really awful day. Yeah, I've been stewing on this. I just, I, I, and I'm, I, I recognise, I'm in a very fortunate position where I'm going to have my immediate family around me, and I know I'm going to have a job to go back to in the new year. But I, uh, there's a lot of people in, a, in in a really bad place. So, um, very yeah. true, that, Tim. Very, very true indeed. So, um, yeah, some people who aren't in a very bad place, or, or, or at least. We got a very brief re- brief reprieve. Our glorious government decided to give us at least one weekend off. Uh, was Disbury Talk H Rugby Club, who took on the might of Stockport at Stockport. Uh, wow. With Dean Schofield? What, so, uh, what, so, uh, what division is Stockport in? Same as Broughton Park. So I think that's level six. Level six. Okay, right. but, but Stockport, are a, they're a good old club, and they've yeah. been considerably higher than that at times as well. Yes, they've got to National 2, I do believe. Maybe yeah. maybe higher than that. I don't think they ever got to National 1 from what I remember. No, they got to National 3 North. Yeah. Or maybe, yeah, maybe National 2 after it after the leagues got reshaped yes, in about correct. 2010. Anyway, was, was Dean Schofield playing for Stockport? No, but I did text Dean, see if he fancied a beer on the sideline, social distance, of course. Um and he didn't, so that's so that, no. that's in that story. <laughs> uh, but no, he has left. He I, didn't even say, "Oh, I'd love to, mate," but I can't. Just, he, yeah. just no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he wasn't even N O. It was just N, which, which, which I assumed meant no. Um, <laughs> so uh, no, I don't think Dean's there anymore. So that will be that might be the reason for it. But yeah, Dean was playing there last year. So, so what were the laws that you played under? How how does it work? So there are no scrums. So it's like a rugby league tap, tap and go. Now, interesting, when the ref is explaining this to me, I was like, oh my God, this sounds awful. By the way, with the way this is probably going, this is probably the only game of rugby outside of professional elite level that we'll be able to talk about possibly this season. So, Well, that's a serious point you, you raise. Uh, as far as I know, this is the earliest date that we could have a game. I'm pretty sure maybe we could have gone last weekend. I don't think there were many games going on this weekend. No, so this is the uh, as soon as we looked at the... As soon as we looked at the dates that we could play, I'm sure this is... Yeah, 19th, wasn't it? So this would be the earliest date, yeah. date, date that we could have played. So I got on the phone to a lot of local clubs, like, do you want to play, do you want to play, do you want to play, do you want to play? Stockport came out of the woodwork from nowhere. I said, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But nobody else wanted to play. Like, nobody. Mm. Um, I, I don't know why it is. Maybe they thought they weren't prepared, they didn't have enough. But we've been preparing to come back as soon as we're ready to come back. And we felt it was really important for our lads to get together. It doesn't matter who we play, just get as many lads on the field as we possibly can. 
and that's exactly what we did. And fair play to Stock Stockport, they did that, and they also had their twos out against Withenshaw. So it was great to see it, see everyone uh, see everyone running about. In Excellent. Ter- yeah, it, I mean, it really was. It, it really was a, a great day. Uh, in terms of the laws, there was a, there was no scrums. So the way it is explained to me, and it was a bit of a. Well, when I heard it, I thought, "Oh, this doesn't sound great." You tap and go, right? But you can't tap and go. Does that make sense? So I tap the ball and pass to the player, and then they can run. So it's not like free. Okay. You can't tap and go unless you're in your five meter or their five meter. Yeah. Okay. So you need to be a bit more aware there. Um, can you just in, as an alternative to the tap and go? Can you kick? No. You can tap. The person who oh, passed to. It's not kick. a tap and go, it's a tap and pass, isn't it? Yeah, okay. Okay. So, so you tap... could tap, pass, and that person kicks. Yeah. I mean, presumably, you could kick in their five metre. <laughs> or your five metre, for that matter. Finn Russell would, and it'd probably work out yeah. as well. Yeah, exactly right. So there's that. Uh, and then there's no mauling. And how. I mean, I thought this was going to be an absolute disaster area. It wasn't. And it actually worked really well. So. From lineouts, obviously that changes, and we'll get onto lineouts in in a minute because that's fascinating. In the contact area, you're not allowed to pre-bind for a latch, even though that's not a more. Oh, this this sounds so complicated. Yeah. So well, it's explained... did anyone get penalised for pre-latching for a more? Because like I can't imagine refs are paying that that much attention, are to, they? To be honest, the ref is bloody brilliant. Like yeah. he was absolutely brilliant. He let everything go um, around that area. He let the boys play. He let the boys play. Um, yeah, he was he was he was absolutely brilliant. He explained everything well. I was very I was very dubious, but I have to admit when we played the, the rules, these rules, it was a really enjoyable game of rugby. Mm, like yeah. it was seriously seriously in. Was it enjoyable? Faster? Was there more points and that sort of thing? We lost by seven points. Was there yeah. less fatigue? Do you feel in the front five kind of thing? Maybe, but yeah, may maybe maybe. Mm. It's it, it's hard to say with just that one. Which just that one thing. Hmm. Did, no, did you play? Did you not play flankers or centres in the front row? No, and the reason that we didn't is because at Talk H we just pick our best eight anyway. And believe it or not, they always work out how how to scrimmage. That's why you see our tighter props jumping in lineouts <laughs> and all sorts. Tell me about lineouts then. How do you? What, what, yeah. what are the new lineouts? So, so, what would you think is effective in a lineout? If there's no more, if there's no more, what do you think changes fundamentally? Well, your tail ball is the most dangerous. Yep. So, so you can go off the top. Yep. Yeah. So so I guess the logic would be, for most people, everything's going off the top. Oh, tail, like, which, tail. Mean, which means that the back of the line-out, like the seven at the back, is just lining up the fly half before hey. you even start because he knows it's not going to be tied in for a mall. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. So you're going to try and hit the tail, but then the front ball, effectively, has no threat whatsoever. So don't walk up the front of the line out at all. Just just leave it open. Literally, just leave it open. So they can win it if they want, but because you've got such a threat from your seven... Scrum has got to give a 25-metre pass if he wants to get it to the 10. Exactly. Yeah. So the challenge to the line-outs now are how do you create a threat at the front of the line-out, which is credible and can hurt you... The old front peel. Well, you could use a front peel. There you go. That is exactly what Stockport were doing. They were using sort of a front peel, but well, more more like a back peel, but to front ball. So yeah, that, that, that's that's what they tried. We tried all sorts of variations on our six plus one with a scrum half at the front of the line. So you could throw it in, scrum half peels off, and as he peel peels off, the guy standing at the nine position sort of goes behind the line out and then punches a hole 
basically where that seven will be. And then the Ruckles form there. So then there's Ruck, and then you can play, play out. Play so you just got to find ways to keep them honest. Interesting. Yeah. So it just You've opens got up. to get, yeah. Yeah. Threats at the front. That, that's, and also, the five man is pointless. The five man line out now is absolutely pointless. Because you just fill in the defence, the, the, your defensive line. Yeah. Their defensive line is just full of players. Uh, well, yeah, and all you need to do, if, if you mark up the middle of a five man line out, well, then they can go to the front, but that's no good to you anyway. But, you know, fine. And in the middle, you've got your best lifting pod who can go back. And then right at the back, maybe you leave your flanker. So the five man is basically dead. And the other one, which is really good, catch the ball, come down and just run with it. No one, you know, <laughs> that's just something which not many people do. So because you're not challenging for the ball, you can sometimes switch off. So if someone lands in front of you, turns around and starts running, you think, oh, bloody hell, probably need to catch him. Mm. <laughs> good. Oh, I, it's just, I, just, I oh, go on, Jake. Go, go on, on Phil. I'm just going to say, I think it's a good opportunity to like um, have a real think about the game and think yeah. about doing things doing things differently. It's, it's a good problem for you to try and solve, JB. It'll, be, um, it'll, it'll test your mettle as a coach. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a superior insight when it comes to this, thing, <laughs> I, this sort of stuff anyway. I, but, I just yeah. think it's a shame as you add all the guys together and you're playing a game. It's just a shame you couldn't have a good old knees up afterwards. Yeah, a real shame. That real is shame a you real, weren't, real shame. You weren't able to do that. Yeah, maybe next time, yeah. eh? Maybe next yeah. time. Yeah. But yeah, I would just like to point out, we should have won the game. We should have won comfortably, but... The, the, there's a few think. teams this weekend that would have said the same. Lost by seven. Uh, Ulster, for example, would be saying the same again. Oh, wow. Uh, wow. Ulster, Ulster could have been practically one foot in the quarterfinals right now, legitimately, and they are bombed out after two. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 100% over. But what a game, though, eh? What a game! What a game! I tell you what, we've been slating lineouts for God knows how long in the in the pro in the pro game, and uh, Gloss's lineout was great. Yeah, but the turnaround. Conversely, what's weird is when you watched Ulster against Toulouse, their maul was the weapon. It got them two tries and one of the Toulouse players yellow carded. Yeah. Whereas two Ulster players yellow carded and two tries against them, it was a total one eighty. Yeah. Well, as uh, Rob Baxter says, you can always stop a maul. You just got to put put enough people into it. So, I thought the Gloucester lineup was. Re- I mean, towards the end when the pressure was on, they have to get a try. Mm. I think they had three back to back lineouts and they executed every one of them perfectly. And a few weeks ago, they couldn't hit a lineout to save their lives. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was great. They, they did look good. I, it, was, it was a bit frustrating that I can't remember. It, it was the oh, it was the, their first try. Uh, no, second try after the uh, Lewis Ree Summit, which was. Driving mall sacked yellow card, driving mall again, sacked again, penalty try and the yellow card. Yeah. So that one three minute passage of play cost seven points and two yellow cards. And Gloucester uh, sorry, and then Ulster survived most of the first half without um conceding. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um which they did very well to do that and played very boring rugby, but it, it clearly took a lot out of them. Yeah, well, just on the Gloucester side, um, I think if Manu Tuolangi played like Chris Harris, we would never shut up about Manu Tuolangi. I think Chris Harris <laughs> is just such a powerful bloke. Um, the other one as well, who I watched quite a lot of, I thought Lewis Reece Summit had a poor game. Anyone else he, he, um, he finished his try well, but it was an easy, easy try to finish. Yeah. He then, late on, he almost blew. Yeah. He had a... There was a two-on-one, and he trusted his pace and couldn't quite get round. I can't, was he trying to get round James Hume? 
Yes, he was. Yeah, he was. It was. It was good defense, to be fair. That I it mean, uh, and he's he's run round enough people to uh, to back himself. That wouldn't be where yeah. I'd focus. And our friend of the pod and uh, one time stand in for Phil Ed Slater. Uh, his tweet was great. Uh, Better late than never. Huge result for this squad and always special to play in the Champions Cup. For those doubters who were making it clear what they thought when we were behind the posts, that win is for you. Cheers. There you go. I don't know whether that that means when he says making it clear what they thought, whether they were giving them some stick yeah. or whether they You're were rubbish. saying, go on, you've still got this, boys. Either way. It's, but it's, they it's, it's doubters, a good... though. If they're doubters. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It sounds like the former. Yeah, it does sound like the stick. former. Yeah. Okay, so I think you are right. We should focus on the positives. So, positive number one, uh, Lewis Ludlow, who I thought is oh, just a warrior, just a machine. I he tell was, you, the other he guy, was class. Yeah, wasn't he? Just well, that hit on whoever your winger was was fantastic. Was it stop uh, there? He leveled was it someone. Not, was it not Lowry? No, it wasn't. It was the balding Fades. Oh, Fades. Yes. So that was outstanding. And I tell you, the other one who I absolutely love is Geordie Reed. You get yeah. a, you get a feeling, don't you, watching Geordie Reed because he's from Ealing, as we are reminded all the time, that he just wants to be there more than everybody else. Yeah, I, I can I can go with that. Um, I mean, he, he put in a lot, a huge amount of effort, um, and was was really difficult and disruptive at times. So was so was, was Ludlow. They yeah. were both difficult to play against. The thing I'd focus on is it, it was quite poetic in a way. In a week that began with everyone talking about an outgoing fly half, the two young fly halves had a massive contribution. Lloyd Evans was looked looked really assured, and the young lad, twenty years old, a youngster from Gloucester, in you know he's only, only had a handful of appearances before. It might even be less than that. And he goes and scores a winning try at the death. Yeah, it's amazing. At King's it? home, it's really, really special. And I yeah. spoke, I spoke to him after the game. We had to go straight oh, to the. You were working the game. We week. had to go straight to the Munster Claremont game afterwards, so it didn't go out. But um, I, I chatted to George Barton, and, and he's, I actually said to him at the end, at the end of the interview before I said thank, thanks for your time. Uh, I just said, I said George, mate, you, you speak like a player who's had a hundred games for Gloucester. Seriously, enjoy that because he's just. I can't. I couldn't believe how calm he was and how he was like. Yeah, well, you know. The boys have really come together, and uh, he was talking, <laughs> right off the script. Yeah, it was right off the script. I always wanted to say to him, "You've just scored a try to win a game at you Kingston." Slap him around the face. You're twenty. Mate, enjoy it. Enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they, that, I mean, that squad. We we criticised them last week. Yeah, we did for putting out the team that they did. But some of the guys who played last week and then stepped up in this game, like the fullback um, Moyle. Moyle. I yeah. thought he had a really solid game. And they, he looks assured under the high ball, made some good hard carries, uh, and Barton finishing off. Last week, while it would have been un- unpleasant for them, it will have given them um, a pretty significant taste of what the tough away days are like in Europe. Yeah, so that's a fair maybe shout. Maybe it's a good thing. <sighs> easy, to say, easy to say in retrospect. I still think, actually, yeah. they, they should have been looking at it. They might have lost going away to Leon, but if they've had a bonus point in the bag or then they could be looking at potential qualification right now rather than well, r- yeah, rather I, than being on the periphery of it. I mean, just on that, though, it does make a difference. You know, by all means, play kids. Uh, I, I know you're a big fan of it, Tim. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if you're going to do it, you've got to surround them with actual talent. I mean, having Atkinson and Harris in the centres, it makes a huge difference. You can then plug in kids around yeah. them if, if you have that, that, that sort of talent. And that's why why I was so critical of them going away to Leon because they've given their kids no chance to win. At least give them a chance to win. Yeah, well, it was the biggest ever European defeat 
last week in Leon. Yeah. yeah. But hey. uh, just one sorry, thing. Go on. Well, one thing I will say about Gloucester this year, I think the worst thing that they could actually do is qualify for the knockout stages. I, I just, I don't think they've got anywhere. There's, the number of players that have left this squad over the last twelve months, just less than twelve well, months. They've got no chance. I I, I do in, hear in what you're saying. Stages. I do hear what you're saying. What I would counteract that with is they had that result against Ulster at the weekend, yep. and they have still got Willie Hines, Ben Morgan, um, Jason Woodward, Ollie Paledri. Thorley, Jake Paledri, yep. and there's others that I can't remember the name of still to come back into that to that side. Like so, some real frontline talent. So what what I was really pleased about uh, and seeing them up close and personal, and I, and I think. This is George Skivington's impact starting to come through. Is a lot of their fundamentals are there, whereas Johan Ackerman played a fantastic brand of rugby. And when you had Danny Cipriani as your ten, he was able to to pull it off. That they just played this real all court game. Actually, if you're going to be successful in the longer term and consistently, you need to have a horrible pack. Yeah, and you need mm-hmm. to do all the basics. And you already mentioned the line out, JB. Um, a lot of their fundamentals. The scrum was absolutely rock solid. Yeah, it was. In fact, so, it, 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 at times it was more than rock solid. Yeah, very good. So, mm. uh, but Ulster have got. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know as an Ulster fan, Jay, uh, Phil, how you found that pretty painful. I imagine. Yeah, I mean, uh, I kind of think last week was more painful because last week, basically in this in the shortened format, if you don't win your home games, you've got no chance. If you, you've got to win both your home games and one of your away games to even have a chance of qualifying. Uh, so. It kind of felt like last week that was it. And to be in the game and to be dominant in the game at times, like you said before, the driving mall and the box kicking, the aerial battle last week was, was brilliant. This week, even though with kind of five minutes left and, and with, with the time up, uh, we were winning, it, it never felt like a game that we really should have won. Um, and it also felt like a game that was kind of, it's, Europe's already done. We're not going to get anything away at, at Toulouse. So we've lost two games already and you can't go through it in yeah, that position. 14 points down to being 10 points up and then to lose it. It's just... <laughs> what, yeah. what a bloody roller coaster. But yeah. I mean, you'd, you'd already, I'd already kind of written the season off, the, the Heineken Cup season off anyway. And when you're down by 14 points, yeah. um, unfortunately, Ulster are not Munster, evidently. Correct. And we, we can get onto them in a minute. But... um. You said like, and I th- I agreed with you last week that that was pr- losing at home to Toulouse meant it was pretty much done, but that the slight twist in this uh, is the fact that loads of games were called off, and that's totally changed the complexion of the pools, the the the, the impact of COVID on on the second round of games and possibly the third fourth round. Who knows? Yeah, who knows now, and who knows given the um, just the number of games that have been called off. Um, who knows what's going to happen to professional sport in the short to medium term? Because I, I think, I think, and I think I'm right in saying this. I think we are going to see um, now that we've got a vaccine. I think we're going to see a tightening of the rules until the vaccine has properly kicked in, because the perception will be that any death is is unnecessary now. So I can see there being a, a, a more long term tightening. So I can actually see more games getting called off, not from uh necessarily um squad covid issues but because of um governmental decisions like in northern ireland um last time i checked 
and we're not even sure if rugby will a professional sport will restart. I did bring this up to Dan McFarland after the game because he, he in the chat we were having post game again, which didn't go out on 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 TV live. It'll be but it'll pop up somewhere on some highlights or or whatnot or wherever. Um, but I, 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 he said, oh, you know, we've got to bounce back. We haven't got we can't we can't get down in the dumps because we've got some big games against the Irish provinces coming up. And I said, well, got Dan. Uh, Maybe this is news to you then, but as of midnight tonight, this was on Saturday. Yeah. Northern Ireland is, is now going into a lockdown, and that even and and it's they've said that affects all elite sport. And Dan McFarlane said, "Nope, we, we've 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 checked that. They don't mean elite sport. Our games will still go ahead. So I believe the oh, game against okay. Connacht, the Connacht and the one against Munster will go ahead regardless. Good. Which good. Is good. Well, I mean, you say good. Do you really want to go and see Monarch, um, Munster and Connacht? And no one will be able to go and see it. No, no, no. I mean, do Ulster really want to see them? Because the way that they've played, it wouldn't. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if 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 they were spreading COVID around their squad themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Can I, I? I I really really like Dan McFarlane. By the never way, never mentioned this. I never. And if honestly, if do you I like know, him as much as Baxter, he's getting close. He's up there, isn't he? He's right up there. And I think if I know, it sounds like Sale have already done their business on their next head coach. But if they haven't, then. Dan McFarlane's contract is up at the end of the season. I, right? I, yeah, I'd be. Re- I, I think he will stay with Ulster because he's very settled there. They love him. He's done a great job. Yeah, I would honestly, if I was a Premiership club and I had a sniff at Dan McFarlane, I'd be all over him. Who are you thinking about for for sale? Alex Anderson. Do, are, are you sure? No, I'm not sure. Are you, but you, you you sound sure. Well, you, that's because you sounded sure last week. I heard another name, but I'm not going to mention it. Well, I'm going to say that I don't think Sale have started their started their process yet. Okay, that's that's, that's what mm. I think. So that I thought you were going to break, break me some news. Up. Oh, if if I could have Dan McFarland, I mean, I know it would be terrible for Phil away from his beloved <laughs> Ulster, but if I if we could have Dan McFarland in our city of Manchester, I'd be buzzing about that. No, we want Alex Anderson <laughs> in our city of Manchester as neutrals. Yeah, as neutrals. Okay, fine. Well, yeah. whichever. Um, but you mentioned Munster, Phil, and that was the result of the weekend. What a game, by the way. Both of these games were incredible. Rugby was absolutely the winner, and no one was talking about boring rugby at all on by Saturday evening because those two games were immense and the the monster performance out of this world and I just before we get into it I'll just say I think last week Phil said the big thing for the monster is they can definitely match Claremont up front the question is can they match them in the backs I think my take on it was I said you'd have to put Claremont favorites but Munster can definitely win I think JB you said Clement, Clement will win this handily by at least 20. Yeah, I thought that. <laughs> it's understandable <laughs> that you thought that, but that just goes so, to show what a good performance it was by Munster. I, I, I loved this game. Um, and watching it, after whatever it was, 23 minutes, when uh, Clermont have already got the bonus point try after 23, 24 minutes, it just looked like it was going to be a total demolition. It looked like it was going to be 50 points to Clermont. And the way that Munster just slowly came back into it, the, the Haley try was a bit of a, um, a... It kind of booked the trend. It was against the run of play. And, but it gave them the confidence to continue taking their points and then go for the corners and go for the jugular. And it was a brilliant, brilliant performance by Munster. It was absolutely remarkable. Fair play. Have a Negroni, friend of the pod, Graham Roundtree. Get yourself a Negroni. Yeah, uh, it, it, yes. Blood, blood red, monster red as well. Exactly. Well, uh, j- just to echo something which I said on the last podcast uh, about the sale management situation, uh, actually, um, and then I contrasted it with with Munster as as a club. It's just the identity that that, that that they have. I don't know how they do it, but every 
you know, it feels like every year they have one super performance, one world beating, never to be bettered ever, ever, ever again miracle win, uh, and it just seems to be, you know, impregnated into their entire identity. I don't know how they do it. They were incredible. This, <laughs> I mean, I gave them no chance before the game. I was obviously wrong, and twenty five minutes in, I gave them apps. I would have given you a hundred to one. At that point, on Munster winning the oh, game, I know four tries. They, their bonus point done in twenty minutes. What they eighteen points down after half an hour or something like that. Yeah, at least ridiculous. Oh my god! The, the the one advantage for Munster was they they took their they took their points. So yeah, although after after twenty three minutes, Munster had scored four try four converted tries after twenty three minutes, but Munster were already on nine points at, at that point because they'd slotted as soon as they got into. The Claremont half, they'd won a penalty, they'd slotted it and got back to business. You're absolutely so meant, right. By the time they scored their first try, Munster were like right back in it, even though it was four tries to one at that stage. Yeah. This this is one of the best examples of any game of why in the higher the level of rugby you go, take every point every you can that's point. on offer. Yeah, I completely agree every, with that. Yeah. It's like Wales for so point. long, just stay in the fight. Give give mm. give yourself give yourself something to play for. Yeah. So um, yeah, that, that was that was game of the weekend without any question, and a couple of absolutely awesome games uh, on BT Sport, which will be the uh, broadcaster of Premiership Rugby until twenty twenty four. Yeah. By the way, the broadcaster of choice. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Well, mer- no, Merry Christmas to you, Tim. I mean, you know, all that BT money again. Fantastic. Yeah. No, I'm just I'm just happy that the rugby fans, of which I am one, will get a an incredible product. Week in, week yeah. out. I mean, that is again absolutely true. Uh, sincerely, I just think it's worth reminding people, as if it wasn't obvious. And I'm, I'm sure listeners of the podcast, and you, you know, you'll be, you'll be widely knowledgeable and will understand this. But BT Sport, let's just go back to when there was no crowds and rugby resumed. Uh, they televised every single game. They did, didn't they? So, and, um, and, and that is a significant undertaking. Let me tell you. So and, and also they just to to um uh um speak, uh, speak about the positives of BT Sport a little bit more. They also made every single game accessible to the season ticket holders of that team, which is something that um the but football did, did not do. And football went for this ludicrous thing where all the season ticket holders were paying retainers on their season tickets. And then paying, I think it was fifteen pounds per game. <laughs> it was for Merry people Christmas. who already held a season ticket for those games and could not go. Yeah. So rugby did, uh, BT Sport did the right thing in that situation. However, we must point out it's not all good news. I mean, I think that's only fair. So I had. A... I, d- I disagree. Well, you would, <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, so e- explain yourself. Yeah. So uh, we, well, I today had a phone call with Premiership Rugby to kind of thrash over you know, bit, bits and pieces about what I think about this deal and I think they wanted to correct my perception of the, um, of the deal. So there's a few things that are true. Um, it is a fair deal. There's no two, no, no two ways about that. It's fair because there were no other offers. So you, know, you can only get really what someone else is offering. You can't force BT Sport to pay a, um, any more than what they're offering. Uh, so it's a fair deal. I think it's good that the sport now has at least some kind of income coming in. But on the other hand, 
it's also nowhere near, it's nowhere near enough. So this deal, which they've got, is very broadly similar to the last deal which they've got. The problem that you have is that the last deal that, that, that they had was written before CBC came in. So CBC now are, are involved, and they take a, about 30% of any income. 28% of the commercial deal. 28%, thank you, yep. So they take 28%. So whatever this deal is, give 28% to CBC, and then the remainder gets split split through the place. Does it work like that? Yes, it does. That's wow. exactly how it works. Wow, I didn't right. know. I didn't know that. Yeah. So what? So what these? So what the clubs did is they said, right, give us some cash now, two hundred and ten million or, what, or or whatever it was. We all divide it up between ourselves. Great, that happens. And now what we'll do is we'll give away our income, not not our profit, our income. We'll give you a third of our income, uh, each and every year in perpetuity forever. So that's more than having an extra plate on the table. That's having a one giant plate on the table. Yes, and. The, you know, CVC stomach n- none of the costs. So the idea was then CVC were going to you know do some magic. Um, it it kind of reminds me of like the two um, thousands tech bubble when everyone just assumed that things would carry on rising in value forever without any without ever really scrutinising it. But CVC were going to come in and they're going to magic some money from Amazon and Facebook and there's going to be a massive bonanza. So in order for the clubs to be better off than when they started, they would need about forty five million quid per season okay because then cvc takes their money and they end up with the same as they already had exactly so 45 million is roughly where you're at which then goes some way to explaining why in march was it march or was it february when bt sport came to the table with a deal of 40 million a season uh <laughs> premiership rugby and cvc said no thank you we think we we think that we can get a better deal somewhere else which of course they couldn't so it's like putting your house on the market for what you'd like to get, not what and not what it's worth. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly right. So we've got this problem that we have fixed income now, which is reduced by about a third because uh, CV because of the CVC deal. Because it's fixed, it'll be the same amount every year. I think we're going to have a huge amount, a huge amount of, of inflation. So each and every year, you know, you're going to have a real loss on what you're earning, and the outlook for rugby union in the premiership is is incredibly bleak because of because of uh, because of the cbc deal there's nothing wrong with the with the bt sport deal bt sport paid a fair paid a fair price they're a great partner but they only paid what they thought it thought it was worth and frankly after a pandemic it's worth a lot less so the only saving grace for rugby might be that the pandemic has cut the wage bills by 25 percent. that might be the only saving grace uh, because the way that I see it, it is a dire, dire situation that uh, Premiership Rugby find themselves in. Well, if someone took that CBC money that came as that one big chunk of whatever it was, how much was it? I think two hundred and ten million off the top of my head. So was it like twelve yeah. million per club, something so, like that? Yeah. Well, let's let's say it was ten, fifteen million. Hopefully, if a club took that and they invested it in infrastructure, yep, and they they, they did some long term money that would that they would then recoup some of that via getting more people into the ground. Building a hotel. Or building a hotel, yeah. having a, a, tra- a, a training ground that makes the club <laughs> club more valuable, uh, more somewhere people would want to come, yeah. even at a lower amount of money, etc. If they did that, then that might not be so bad. If you just spent it all on expensive foreign players from <laughs> like Australian locks and yeah. things like that at nearly a million pounds <laughs> a year, <laughs> then you're going to be in trouble. Or you just paid off debt. Maybe to your own directors, maybe maybe to the bank. I mean, there was a lot of debt flo- floating around too. Um, you know, it is 
again, two things can be true, true at once. It is absolutely true to say that we owe an enormous debt of gratitude to all the Premiership owners, an enormous debt of gratitude, because mm. without them uh, fronting the bill for God knows how long, you wouldn't have this wonderful league, and it is a wonderful league. And the reason that they do it is for the love of rugby and the passion for their clubs. But the problem being is, sometimes your passion can get get ahead of you. And I think you know, the CBC deal was struck because some people, some of the owners who have put you know their money where their mouth is for the longest time, they couldn't take the pain of running a rugby club for for any longer, you know, personally, financially. So they've signed this deal to get the capital in now, with this sort of vague promise that in the future CBC will you know do do some magic and everyone will be, everyone will be fine. The reality of the situation should have been if you're not rich enough to play this sport you know, as an owner, you really should be selling your club. I don't think, you know, you have to come into rugby with your eyes open, knowing that if you can't make money out, out of rugby by signing deals and networking at the club and, you know, all those things which come with owning a, owning a, prim, a premiership, a premiership uh, uh, rugby club, you're going to lose a lot of money and, uh, you know, you need to be able to afford it. So I, I, I would agree with pretty much everything you've said there, Jay. Um, I just... There's one one point I think it is worth making, and I think you've made this point in the past that you said then they've lost twenty eight percent of their income. Yes, it's, it's, as as I understand it, and I think we've clarified this before, it's twenty eight percent of their TV income, as yes. in CVC bought into their TV rights. They did not basically; t- they're not just stripping all income, including buying a burger at the ground. That's right, or yeah. buying a, a club scarf at the ground. Yeah, so it's commercial rights. And I don't yeah. know how much of those commercial rights are TV, uh, is TV money, but I'm led to believe it's a vast, vast majority of it. So, like, yeah, yeah I, they still get the burger I, money. Yeah, I would be astonished if the TV money was not the vast, vast majority, as in, like, 90-plus percent of yeah. that commercial rights. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the other thing is the... Um, this is not a correction. This is me um, kind of en- enhancing your point on the... Um, obviously... The money has gone down. The income for these clubs has gone down because CVC are taking a chunky cut. That probably has led to the decision over the summer, which will play out over the next three years, which is the reduction in salary cap. Yes. Which the, the salary cap obviously went from, well, the best part of 7 million when you include your academy credits to uh, it's about five and a half, five point six million, including academy credits. And that's something I'm actually quite worried about because that it devalues the league. Um, yeah. it, 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 and what I don't mean by that is so the league is brilliant because it's so competitive it's so competitive because of the salary cap and that, that's a really good thing having the salary cap in place because it means in theory you can get multiple different winners over multiple different years which obviously Saracen's booked the trend over the last few years but we all know how they did that Yeah. Um, but one of the brilliant things over the last few years has been uh English, because we're fans of the league, has been English clubs doing having a great story in the league and then also competing in the Europe, yes. uh, competing in the, the Heineken Cup. Northampton getting to the final in 2012, Leicester historically, Wasps historically, Saracens over the last few years, Exeter over the last um, well year. That could be a threat. If yeah. you're taking the best part of a couple of million pounds off the salary cap, and it's not kicked in yet. It kicks in next season, that reduction for, yeah. I think it's three or four seasons. I just can't see English clubs um, being able to compete. And perhaps we've already seen the first steps on that way because this season, English clubs have been 
well, other than a couple of anomalous results, they've been pretty poor in Europe after the two rounds. True. Yeah, it's um, it's going to be really difficult when when all the fans come back. Just remember these two, two, two things: we are without doubt going to have an enormous recession of some of some sort. So I can't imagine that people's number one priority is going to be buying burgers and pints at pints at clubs. Let, you know, they might not even go to games. We just don't know how you know it, this this is all going to shake out. So you know, it's not going to be as profitable. Well, it won't make as much money. Uh, rugby won't make as much money on game day as it traditionally has, is my opinion. And all of this money which they are, they were sat on, I suspect some of it has gone to keep the clubs afloat over COVID. And also, yep. you can't live off capital. You just can't do it. If you've got ten million in, um, in, um, in, in the bank, but a shortfall, and it's just sitting there for five or six years, you're going to lose a shed load of money just to inflation. So, I mean, that's the other thing. If I was doing this deal on the Premiership side. I don't know. I mean, I, I could get clarification if they'd done this or not. But I would definitely get some form of ratcheting me- um, mechanism mechanism to take take account of inflation, because you know, I, I think in the next three years it's going to be massive. Yeah, inflation is going to be interesting. Um, how that plays out over the next few years. Well, it's, 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 it's inevitable when you when you print. What is it? Seven hundred and fifty billion <laughs> yeah, pounds yeah. of well, completely new money. There was some stat I heard the other day. This is going off in a different direction, obviously, but it's just an amazing stat. Thirty-five uh, percent of all U.S. dollars have been printed this year. Don't, don't, Tim. It's terrifying. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Terrifying. Thirty-five percent of all U.S. dollars in circulation were printed this year. That's crazy. The, the the effect that's going to have on inflation. Unbelievable. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah, so yeah, that, that's it, it's going to be interesting how it plays out because the the quantitative easing position certainly in Europe over the past ten years since since the global financial crisis has just been enormous and it's going to well it has already got even bigger, albeit over the most of the last ten years inflation has been very very limited. So I, I don't know if people are just doubling down and hoping that that trend of very low inflation but high quantitative easing continues it's it's terrifying to think of the consequences if that does not happen yeah because you could you like if you've read about any of the like um germany post weimar Weimar germany yeah yeah or zimbabwe in multiple periods in the 90s and 2000s or venezuela or argentina when they're in similar and obviously there's there's differences um, but there's also similarities in in the uh, printing money state. Yeah, so there just are enormous consequences of doing totally. it. Totally. So just be kind on Twitter when you see someone you know concerned about a, a range of different things, including the impact of a of a virus, but also the impact on the economy. Just be kind because they might they might understand historically <laughs> what happens when you print lots of money. When, when you print lots and lots of yeah. money for pay for thing to pay for things you haven't got. Uh, just one last thing on this. Uh, the messaging from Premiership Rugby. I, I get what they've got to do. I get they've got to say, yes, great. We're super happy to be in partnership with uh, OBC Sport. I, I do appreciate that. But I do think it'd also be a lot more effective if, if they said, yeah, it's great that we've got a deal. It's great that we've got got some income, but we have enormous challenges ahead. At least be honest uh, about the situation because reading the, mess- the messaging that was that was coming out, it seems like they're they're fooling themselves. You know, this is not a good situation that, that that they find themselves in, and I think they would be wise to communicate fairly 
and honestly to the fans about the situation that the league fa- finds itself in because I don't think it's particularly good. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you could you could say communication in rugby has not been uh, has has not been great this this whole year in the most tumultuous year or so in rugby's history with Saracens in, in English rugby history with Saracens and then more broadly speaking with a pandemic and the massive shake-up that's had. Yeah, rugby could definitely do something about yeah. the, the way it communicates and, and spreads its messages. So that, that would definitely be a New Year's resolution for me if I were one of the people in charge. There, there you go. Nevertheless, just, uh, what, should we just get back into a couple of games and then we can dip back out into uh, some of the other things going on yeah, around I'll, in rugby? Shall I look through the games? Uh, oh, why don't we do Wasps? Because that was exciting. That was. Wasn't it? Yeah. So um, I'm going to kick this off with a bit of a rumour which, which I've heard is circulating. You ready for this? Go on. Alfie Barber... How do you say his name? Barbary? Well, everyone's just gone to Barbary now. I remember when I... Because yeah. I, I, I gave him his first Man of the Match uh, his award. First oh, his first start. Three his, and three. Now, his first three and three, yeah. <laughs> I gave him his first one. Just like I anointed Maro Itoji, I gave him his first Man <laughs> of the Match medal as well uh, when he became a prize-winning Maro. Um yeah, I anointed uh, Alfie Barbary. But he's, on that day, well, I was told it's Barbary. But everyone's just got Barbary, so let's just go Barbary, fine. He's 116 kilograms. He's a big boy. What? He, he's a deep boy, is what I would say. He's like he's, yeah. got, he's got that sort of man depth. Like, um, who who looks like that? What's his name? The prop who was at Sale and then went to Bath. Tight head. Played for England. Still plays. Don't ever hear of him, though. Huh? Oh, uh, Henry Thomas. Henry oh, Thomas. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's a he big, was, big, big yeah. lad. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, um, I, Phil, Phil's it. Go on, Phil, jump in. I, I'm just going to say, I can see his his physique looks like um, he should be playing front row. He looks like he should be an international front row because of his depth and his width and his his hips as well. So, like, if you look at someone like uh, let's let's say Tom Curry, who's probably about the same height, maybe similar weight, yep. but maybe not quite as maybe a few kgs lighter. But Tom Curry has got this narrow waist, big shoulders, big thighs. Whereas Barbary is just, he's just like a cuboid. Yes. <laughs> big in every dimension. His yes. hips, his shoulders, his neck, his arms, his chest. He's massive. Yeah. He's yeah. dynamic as well, isn't he? He, yes. Yeah, well, I'm I'm a big fan, but it turns out I'm not the only big fan. So mm. I hear. So the rumours I've heard today and yesterday is that the evil IRFU are sniffing around him to take him over to Ireland. Nah, back off. That's not going to happen. How do you know? <laughs> it's not going to happen. How do you know? They they should spend their time, they should focus more on Piers O'Connor. There's someone they could actually get some use out of. Yeah, they could get some use out of Piers O'Connor, but they could go for for for, for, for Alfie Barber. Fine, well. I have a little sniff. That's fine. <laughs> no, no problem. Worried. No sound, problem. No, I'm very not, worried. Not worried. worried. Not worried at all. I mean, I was I was jokingly saying Louis Reesamet, Louis Reesamet, get onto him, Eddie, get onto him, but. Yeah. Fine, but uh, yeah. So have a, have, a, have a crack if you want. Yeah, come well, and have a come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. Exactly, exactly. Fight, <laughs> fighting talk. So uh, I guess the most remarkable thing about Bar- Barbary is two tries, of course. Um, it just makes really, it just makes everything looking really easy. Like as if you're know, scoring against Montpellier, who are massive men, on his own just picks the ball up, walks two yards, and scores. Like. As if no one's there. There are some players that just have that kind of rugby smart, as well as we were talking about his physical attributes. I'd say this is very much like Alex Dombrant. He's looking really lean 
at the yeah. moment, by the way, but when he burst on with his infamous university rig, he still read <laughs> the game so well that he just always appeared to be in the right place at the right time. And Barbary's got that. Yeah. Uh, he's, yeah. He's a phenomenal talent. Um, here's, a, here's a thought for you. Do you think there might be some really serious questions internally in Wasps regarding what he can do as a front rower? Or do you think he's just so good they throw, they throw him in, in the back row? Because I don't think this is going to last. Now that teams are going to talk, target him at eight, and he's not really an eight, I think he could come up against a very stiff, stiff, stiff opposition now. And he needs to make that move to hooker sooner rather than later. So is there something about him? Maybe he's throwing, maybe you know, his tight work, which isn't up to scratch yet. So it's it's an interesting question. I, I don't know the answer, but I think it is worth touching on his history. Because yeah. it was mentioned, I think, in comms that he kind of transitioned from being a centre, a 12 or 13, as a kid. But having watched the videos, they just put him anywhere to get the ball to him most of the time. He's clearly not a kicker, so he wasn't ten. But he would have been—he would have been, he would <laughs> no, have been I... any position that gets him running at people, and centre happened to be it. To then, when he went to Wasps, age fifteen, sixteen, that his body uh, size and shape has most suited front row. He played there for England under age groups and under twenties. I mean, he's—he literally a month ago turned twenty. This—that's how young this guy is. Mm. Um, to now also playing in the back row. So I, I think he's still finding his position, if if that's possible. D- Tom Young think... did the same thing, don't forget. He was a he was a centre yeah. until maybe sort of 24, 23, 24. And he was, a, yeah. he was an absolute unit of an inside centre. Yeah, he, he, and then, he would have been. Then he went and spent two years at Nottingham, or at least a season, maybe two, in yeah. the championship playing hooker, came back and, and then... And put on a load of weight. Put on a load of weight, in... and then he went back and he was ended up being a Lions hooker. So one of my favourite players, uh, Gabriel Gray, who I just love. I just think he's awesome. Just got He's just got the right attitude about the sport in general. Suddenly he can't throw in line-outs all the time with that much consistency. You know, and maybe that, you know, fine, happens. I, I, I love every, everything else which he does, but his line-out throwing isn't great. And I started to think, do you reckon that Wasps as a club have said, okay, Maybe a set of piece work isn't going to be that good, but we'll back you for everything else you can do all over the park. And that's how they're getting these results. Because I know you think that they're a good team, Tim. I don't think that you would see the same results if they were coached by a more traditional coach. Oh, I agree. Entirely. Yeah. Uh, So I don't think they're a top-end team. I think they're top-end coached. and uh, They're a great team. They're not top-end individuals. Is what I'd they say. have top end individuals. They, they have some, but you have guys like Tim Cardle, Paolo Idogu, who has looked class the last few yeah. weeks. I mean, Paolo is a great, great. You know, he's he's a great player, nice guy, good athlete, but yeah. wouldn't get into sale team. No, but here he is, absolutely tearing up, tearing up at thirteen. Yeah. So I wonder if the, if the reason the hookers aren't throwing particularly well is because maybe they think, well, actually, if we've only got limited time with these lads, let's have them running around, offloading, playing, you know, the the like the team shape, making sure that we can attack properly. They've got Cruz, Dog and Tommy Taylor. They'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, they, you, you've got time to teach those young lads those fine motor skills. But um, yeah. I, I just like the but, fact they're going, get them on the park because their attributes are worth worth getting out there. But that does worry me a little bit for, Bar- for, for Barbary because that means he's going to have to take a lot of time to work on his throwing in his own, in his own time, because otherwise he's not going to be the highest level of rugby player, because you can't play international rugby. If without. he wants it, he will. Well, that's good yeah. 
I, I, I'm kind of with you, Tim. I, I think that probably is, Jay, your point is probably exactly correct at the moment. But, but Barbary, if he does want to play for England or Ireland or any other nation, yep. you, you can't do that. And I think his long-term position will be hooker. I don't think he'd be able to do, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think he'd be able to do what he's doing consistently at international level as an eight. But no, I don't. I could get, I could be wrong about that, but I think he could be, he could be one of the all-time great hookers if he can get his thrown in gear. So that's on him to, yeah. to do that. Come on, Alfie, get throwing boy, yeah. Yeah. Get, get get throwing boy. Let's see it. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, fair play, great. wasps two from two. And, and and can we can we talk about another young um, wasp player just for a little bit? Uh, Tom West, not Tom West, uh, Charlie Atkinson. On, Charlie Atkinson. Yeah. Go on. I I mean he's. He's clearly behind um, uh, the other guy whose name I've totally forgotten, Jacob Umanga, um, in the Wasp pecking order. But he looked great. I, I thought he, he had a really, really solid game. Um, kicked intelligently, kicked the corners intelligently, controlled the game well. Um, it helps when Montpellier lose their fullback after whatever it was, 20 minutes. Yep. But he took his try beautifully at the end. Yeah. Agreed. Yep. I mean, just looking through the team again. Uh, th- Good players. I keep saying they're good players because I need to caveat with it. They're good players. They had no right to beat Montpellier, though. You know, just man for man. Uh, 15 or 15, it could have been different, but hey, fair play. They they did it. Um, Another, what, the Lamb Bowl happened this evening in Connacht. Didn't see it. Windswept Connacht. Uh, Bristol won in the end. It was, it was unbelievable. You were thinking, right, Bristol, they play like Pat Lamb hasn't played, and Connacht still play like Pat Lamb had them playing. It's going to be all action. It was <laughs> nil nil after twenty minutes, and uh, and it was just a, a mall fest. Nice, sounds ideal. Broke into life a bit at the end. Piers O'Connor scoring a good try. Bristol had too much in the end. There was one moment that's worthy of mention, which was towards the end when Connacht had a couple of penalties in a very kickable position, and they needed two points for a bonus point, and they went for the try. And admittedly, Ben Earl put in a great tackle to prevent... Yeah, I've seen that tackle. It is a great tackle. ...prevent the try being scored. But, well, I mean, that, I, I don't know. Were they just sort of thinking... Because they, they couldn't possibly have got any more than one losing bonus point. Or could they have got a try bonus? No, they couldn't have got a try bonus no. point. So I don't understand what they were oh, doing. Yeah. They, were, they were nine points down in, with, the, with the clock in the red. And they went for a yeah. try. And yeah. they only had two tries. So they... Yeah. they there's no way they can possibly get more than like getting taking the three is the maximum they can possibly get. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it <laughs> reminds knows? me of that Varhamina bit when he said, uh, "I did not know." Or what did he? What was it, Varhamina? The French lock said when he was like, "Oh, I did not realize that you couldn't do something." Or do you remember that? Was this mi- where he where he elbowed Wainwright in the face? No, what was it? No, it was, yeah, it was like Varhamina did something, and he, he came out afterwards with a comment. That everyone, it turned, no, I tell you it, it what turned it into a meme because no, he said, he "I didn't, did... know, he didn't know he was captain." Oh yeah, I didn't know I was captain. No, <laughs> no one told me I was captain or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> and then it's become a meme. So, like when when Owen Farrell gets sent off for a no arms hit, uh, there's people put a picture of Owen Farrell there and go, "I did not know you you had to tackle with arms. Nobody told me you had to use your arms, yeah. etc." Uh, uh, Maybe it was a different one. No, no, it I'd... was de- it was definitely him as a captain. Um, speaking of dodgy decisions, did either of you watch the Leinster Northampton game? No, no. Talk to me about this. So, it was an injury ravaged Leinster team, uh, 
Northampton, a pretty strong team, missing a couple of people, but pretty strong team. And um, you'd always expect Leinster to win, even with with a weakened team. And they did. They got a bonus point. Northampton got nothing out of it. But Northampton at times showed some good stuff. They just made some odd decisions at time. And the, the most odd was uh, they were <clears throat> one try down. They're camped on their own line. They um, Leinster are scrummaging. They, Leinster won a scrum or five metres from Northampton's line. Leinster go, engage early. So the referee gives a Northampton free kick. Northampton get to breathe. They can clear their lines, except that they don't. They opt to scrum again on their own line against a much stronger Leinster pack and immediately get turned over, give the ball away, and Leinster score. And it, it wasn't the only time in the game that they opted for a free-kick scrum. But I've, I've never seen that before, to opt for a free-kick scrum on your own line when you're no. getting pumped. I don't know why you do it either. No. It, it really, really... I mean, even, like... I mean, Dylan Hartley, who who's he's been brilliant in comms recently. He did a lot of the Amazon stuff, and he's doing a bit of the BT Sport stuff now. I really rate him. I think he talks a lot of sense. Um, he's obviously, he knows the club as well. And he might um, potentially in some scenarios have a little bit of a Northampton bias, but he was like, I have no idea why they're doing this. It just doesn't make sense. No. It's a crazy decision. Well, so, at least Northampton put a, a bit of a fight. Yeah. That's the only, that's, yeah. That's the only thing I can say. Uh, and we, we'll look ahead um, to, to the games. That game against Worcester on Boxing Day. They yeah. have to win that. If they don't win it, here's a fact for you, which I will be bringing up when I chat to Chris Boyd in the pre-match interview. Uh-oh. If they lose at home to Worcester on Boxing Day, they will have gone the entire calendar year. That's amazing. Not winning at home. So when oh Losing every game at home. When Maglander was in charge towards the end of his reign, people were just not showing up at Northampton. And I think Boyd won them over pretty quickly. He did. Didn't he? But without... Yeah. A single win at home in a calendar year, that is incredible. And I that, mean, admittedly, there was... were five months of that with, n- with nothing happening, but nevertheless. But they, don't let ruin a story, they, Tim. Yeah, but they're, they're 12 losses on the bounce in all competitions now as well. Yeah. yeah. That, that, so that would be going for 13 losses on the bounce if they lose that. I mean, that... I mean, it doesn't... As much as I like Chris Boyd, it doesn't feel like the time you want to sign him to a new long-term deal. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's tough one, isn't it? It is. It's really tough, and uh, yeah, I mean, so a defeat to Worcester, as you say, all, all of those things. Thirteenth straight defeat, uh, a whole calendar year not winning at home, and, and they're in a big time relegation fight. Mm. Albeit, are we going to find out that relegation doesn't matter? And here's a segue: Will that have an effect on whether anybody else? goes after Danny Cipriani because if I had the chance to sign him and I were a club that might need a 10 let's yep. say uh, you, you'd think he would have at least someone calling up maybe a Newcastle s- situation however if there's a ring fence league you'd sort of go nah I'll leave it's alright I'll keep the cash yeah so, uh, so so Sippers is gone that's how this that was the big story early this week after we'd done the podcast of course yeah that's why I, that's why it was announced when it was because they thought let's wait till those egg chaser boys have got their, their <laughs> one out there exactly we don't need that heat uh Christ so yeah very mixed on this we spoke last week didn't we about concussions right and what an awful situation it must be if you don't if you no longer enjoy the game 
and and if you're forced to play it for military reasons or what or whatever it is and it's my impression i have nothing to back this up whatsoever so this is not a fact but it is my impression that danny cipriani has rather than falling out of love with gloucester because i think gloucester is the best place for him i think they've got the best coaches for him i think it's all set up for him his best mates well, yeah, he's like his old mates. Like literally, his best mates. He's played with Alex King, played with George Skivington, best mates with Don Waldock. Yeah, so you know it is the best place for him. They understand him. They know him. Uh, if he's fallen out of love with the game and just wants to, you know, leave forever, more power to him. If if he can afford to do that and it's on and it's on his terms, um, I think I think he should go. And you know, he he's been fantastic when um, when he's played for his club. He should have got more caps in my. Um, in, in in my opinion, he's got plenty to be proud of, um, and yeah, if you want to walk away, walk away. You'll be one of the very few that does so on um, on on your own terms. Mm, I, I, it's a good point that if you can afford to, and um, everything's in your control, then yeah, why not? I just I I don't know. I get the impression that that's not quite what's happening here. I, I don't know exactly what is happening. Well, um, it's interesting you say that because when I spoke to George Skivington before the game, I was very aware that everyone at Gloucester... Uh, do you know what? One thing I will say is usually when things like this happen, you hear whispers, you hear rumours, you, you yeah. p- people will talk to you off mm. the record and sort of give you the lowdown on what's going on. Fair play. If it says something about Gloucester that there has not been a word. Nope. All they've said is it was mutual. So I, I knew going into the chat with George Skibbington, it was like, well, I want to try and reveal some some truths here. I want to get a sense of what, what's happened. Uh, and if it's exactly what they've been saying has happened, then great. If it's more than that or different, I want to know. Uh, and it was a bit like getting blood out of a stone. Understandably, I'm not criticising George mm. Skibbington for that at all. But I think what I did manage to reveal, if I do say so myself, <laughs> is, that it was, is that it was Danny Cipriani's choice. Yeah, yeah. Um... And I, you know, I, I can tell you this: nobody in Gloucester knows. No, no, no. Um, as in, like, how, 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 how can I say this? The only thing that I know for certain, right, from what the players know, is that no one has seen Danny Cipriani at Gloucester training for weeks, weeks and weeks and weeks. Uh, so this announcement wasn't necessarily a surprise to. Um, a well, that, that hasn't been reported anywhere. No, but that is definitely a thing. You know, no one has seen him. Player-wise, I'm sure the coaches are in, are in touch. I'm sure I'm sure the club hi, um, higher ups are. But you know, if, if he's unhappy and he wants to walk away, mm. there you go. I mean, I think it's a personally, I think it's probably probably a good thing. Well, may, maybe it is because I mean, his first season that he went to Gloucester, oh, 18, 19. Uh, yeah, two two years ago, he looked like a player reborn. And he got he on the on the strength of that. I think that's when he got his chance, albeit a very limited one, with England in South Africa. Yeah. He was he was gunning um, for the World Cup, wasn't he? That was his yeah. whole that was his whole meaning. That was his whole existence was about the World Cup, and he had an unbelievable season. Was the players' player of the season? Yeah, he steered Gloucester into third place. Yeah, which, given Gloucester's history over the last ten years or so, is pretty remarkable albeit they had just about the strongest team that i can remember gloucester having yep um last season not so much i mean when when danny's playing well that team really clicked he wasn't playing particularly well last season the team didn't particularly um click they limped into seventh place 
21 points off the top four. Uh, and the team wasn't playing well and he wasn't playing particularly well. So I think it, it probably is, it might be the best thing for both both parties oh, that he does leave now at this juncture and look right. for a new challenge. I think you're right. He's, he's 33, so he still has got some gas in the tank. I hope it's not the last time we've seen Danny Cipriani on a rugby field because he's got the potential to entertain crowds and, and do some pretty mesmeric things. Oh, he's them. unbelievable. I mean, yeah, yeah that, I want to separate that out as well. As a rugby fan, from just a pure rugby yeah. point of view, I want him back tomorrow. I think he's he's incredible. Um, but, you know, from his point of view, call it a day. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I want to see him do that little dance he did when he scored that try for Melbourne Rebels. Over and over again. <laughs> oh, that, what, that <laughs> was... What moves? That That's something that we've not seen. I, I can't remember him scoring a try like that, basically since he's been back in England, yeah. since he, he joined Sale or whatever well, it de- was. Well, defence optional in Super Rugby, isn't it? Exactly. Anyone oh, but what a try. I mean, yeah. that's when when he came onto the scene first time, he was a precocious talent. Rapid. He was 18, 19, Wasps in England. He was playing 10 and 15, and he was allegedly the fastest man in the Wasp squad. I've heard that. He, he was rapid, and then he had a horrific ankle break. Um, yeah, I think it was when he's, his first stint at Wasps, but then he, he was still scoring tries like that Melbourne Rebels try. And then over the last few years, his game has totally changed. And that's credit to him that he has adapted his game to suit his current strengths. And he, he became more of a passer and a reader of the game, more of an intelligent player. Um, but yeah, he, he can do both in his former guys and his current guys. He could do things that no one else could do. His vision at times was brilliant. Yeah. And it was, it was picked up in comms this weekend that um, some of the moves that Gloucester were running... Mm-hmm. Um, were very reminiscent of what Cipriani would be running with yeah, the um, shapes. Atkin- yeah. yeah, Atkinson taking the first ball and then Evans taking it out the back with options of the wingers and the fullback coming round and, and joining the line and being able to pick their their gaps. So his influence is obviously huge um, on the way that they're playing and the coaching structure, as you said before, which is, is testament to, to Sippers. Yeah, the, the, the only thing I'd add to this is some articles this week have been a little bit unfair to, to Cipriani, I think. The um, Austin Healy one. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's unfair. Not necessarily unfair, but I would I would like to put Cipriani into context, which is uh, some people think he wasn't quite good enough for England. And I think it's it, it's the other way around. I, I think he was too good. Um, well, I, well I, one of the things I remember people saying a lot, and I think I was part of this uh, before the 2019 World Cup, I said you've got two great fly halves. Yep. Why? And you've got a, a squad that seems to be really loving each other. Why would you risk it? I mean, there's that, isn't there? Basically, basically well, that's what it came down to. Coaches have a vastly inflated sense of self-importance. That's why I coach. Uh, <laughs> and the higher up the coach, the more self-important that... That, that they become my so if you've got a yeah exactly right so and it doesn't change if it's Gatland if it's Eddie it doesn't matter it's all about them and their systems so it takes a hell of a brave coach to say all right um I don't really know what you're going to do next Danny I'm going to hold this uh, I'm going to give this all all to you and then you do with it what you want and you can see why that would rub coaches up the wrong way and you can see why you know, if given the choice out of a very loyal lieutenant who is also a phenomenal player in Owen Farrell, 
all this complete maverick who wants to do his own thing, Danny Cipriani, why Danny Cipriani would have less yeah. games than he otherwise did. And I would I would play devil's advocate here a little bit and say, it, talk about inflated sense of self uh, of importance or ego or whatever, and I, you'd have to sort of level that at Danny Cipriani because to think, to only, uh, to appear at least from the outside, to only want to do things the way he chooses to do it and everyone has to move to the beat of his drum, uh, that's not how... Rugby teams are composed. Yeah, but Tim, you've you 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 you've seen the you've seen the TV series, The Boys, and you've seen the character Home, um, Homelander. Homelander, yeah. Now, if you're as powerful as Homelander, like Danny <laughs> Superiority is, people should be um, you know jumping to your beat. That's exactly what they should be doing. Yeah. In fact, it it it'll be it must be mystifying for him why they don't just listen. <laughs> Oh dear! I hope the player that I'm thinking of now. I've actually just got his Wikipedia page up just to see if he's surfaced anywhere. The player that I'm actually thinking of that Danny could do this is another precociously talented individual who left the game well over the summer and has not yet resurfaced. Quaid. No, in one of JB's all-time favorite players, James Forrester. (laughs) Kyle Eastman. Oh yeah, where is he? He's nowhere. I checked in, on him the other day. Yeah, yeah. He, as as far as I can find, and I, I checked this a few weeks ago, a bit more than just a cursory Wikipedia glance. Uh, he's not surfaced anywhere. He's not gone to France. He's not gone to Japan. He's at no other. I don't even think he's training at any clubs at the moment. What if he's in Oldham? Like genuinely, I wonder. Uh, if he's uh, in yeah, he may well be, and he may he may go back to rugby league, um, Eastmond. Yeah, but. Um, That's a good one. I hope one to watch. Yeah, I, I hope I hope Cipriani um, doesn't go that way. I hope we do see him again. Oh, I'd like quite like to see him play league. Or well, those two getting back—that'd be quite exciting. Sippers and Kyle Eastman play, playing league together—that'd be cool. And get Nev Edwards there while you're at it. Yeah. Well, where's Nev? <laughs> where's Nev? Let's find where Nev is because that, that might be his next, killing it. His next lamp. Uh, his next landing point. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Right. So anyway, Sippers is is. Gone, not definitely not forgotten, and hopefully not the last we've seen of him. Yeah. Um, other stories or other rugby from the weekend. There were other games, but it's so let's have a look at where the polls stand currently <coughs> uh, in the Champions Cup because we've got two more games coming in the new year. I'm, yeah. due, I'm due to be going out to Ulster for the reverse fixture against Gloucester. And well, I really, hope, I really hope I'm allowed to travel. Really, really mm. hope I'm allowed to travel. That'd be a good game. Because yeah. it doesn't matter to Ulster, and, and in reality, it probably doesn't matter to Gloucester. No, but that'd be a good game so, because of the the revenge. Yes, correct. So, um, Paul A. Leinster top with ten points. Wasps second with ten points. Remember, the top four go through to the, cha- the Champions Cup quarterfinals. The fifth to eighth go through to the Challenge Cup quarterfinals. Um, Bordeaux and La Rochelle both on nine, courtesy of some COVID. Uh, results in La Rochelle's case. Uh-huh. Solid 28-0 win against... Who was it? Who did they beat? Uh, I don't watch. Uh, it uh, was Bath. Bath, yeah. Bath, yeah. Good, good solid 28-0 win against Bath. Oh, we should talk about Toulon. Toulon. Oh, yeah. Um, so, Toulon... Uh, so, Scarlet's had one COVID case in their squad yeah. In, yeah. in midweek. They identified the individual that was and the people through contact tracing and videos and all the processes they have to go through. They identified the people who might have been at risk of contracting it from that person, and they isolated them as well. To the extent that EPCR were happy for the game to go ahead and that all 
um, factors had been taken care of. Toulon, on Friday, on the day of the game, having travelled to South Wales, having stayed overnight, turn up at the ground and decide we don't feel it's safe for our players to play. Wow. Game called off two hours before kickoff. Yeah, and Scarlet's get the 28 point to nil win. Scarlet's that, got handed the, the win. I, I mean, I wonder, do you think there was any chance too long were thinking we could get, oh, look at, look at what they've done with all the other people that have uh, had a COVID case and have been given a four-try victory. We might be able to get the five points and not even have to play. I, I mean, I'd, I'd hate to think that that would be a cynical way that a professional club would go. And I want to believe Toulon that they were doing it purely legitimately because they had concerns about the health and safety of their players. I would like to think that, think, think, think that they were trying it on. That would be such a French rugby thing to do. But I wonder. <laughs> I wonder. We have, to take, we have to take them at face value, obviously. No, you don't. No, you don't. Uh, <laughs> ooh, I ho- I what do you reckon? Um, well, competitively, I think Toulon would have fancied their chances against Scarlets no matter where they played. So it doesn't sound like it's a you know a decision. It does sound like they made the decision based on the health of their players, because I don't see any other reason that you might do it unless, like you say, Tim, they thought, oh, maybe we just get seven points and go home. Rest, five points. Fi- yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Five points. Rest. Rest up a week. Go home. Yeah. Unless there's something else at play, mm. as in like it. It would not be entirely surprising for there to be a mutiny against management in a French team. Yeah. So there could be, but that it it does seem a bit too much of a coincidence for that to happen two hours before kickoff when there's yeah. a a COVID situation. Um, if you were too long, if suddenly Scarlets couldn't play next week because there's been major caseloads pop up across their squad, too long would be absolutely fuming. Yeah, and that could have you know it could be completely uh, what do you want it? It might be completely unrelated that they have a COVID outbreak anyway. And I don't know what the regulations are in France, but you know, you've got to have a look at how would that affect Toulon uh, going forward? Is it worth the risk? Yeah. I, I, the answer is I don't know. I was, I, you know. Without being in the camp, I don't know what their decision process but, was. But it has made what is already a condensed and strange Champions Cup season stranger? Even, even stranger. Yeah. Because I, I, yeah. Do, do you honestly think the average fan who watched the games over the weekend that wasn't a total rugby nose like we are, could understand how teams qualified and what the hell was going on. No, no. I could barely explain it easily. No, it's difficult, isn't it? It is difficult. Well, I'm quite yeah. enjoying it. I mean, it's not a terrible format. Well, the problem is, is, uh, is you could, as we identified last week, you could win all your games and still not qualify. Yeah. You could. Um, you can't rely on one team you've already played to take points off another team that's in your pool, which you could quite often look at. So anyway, uh, so in Pool A, La Rochelle are on nine points, as I say. Scarlets are outside of the Champions Cup spots, but also have nine points. Edinburgh hanging in there with a, a very late win against Sale, who will be very disappointed with that. They're out um, after two yeah. games. Uh, so- fair play, Edinburgh. We showed a lot of dog. Is it? Yeah, Ed- Edinburgh did. Um it was not an amazing game. There was no. a couple of amazing performances. I thought um, Rohan Jansi von Rensberg was the best man on the pitch. Yeah, he looked lean, didn't he? Yeah. Having said he, that, he, he looked fast. Real quick. Having yeah. said that, I haven't seen it, except for the middle 80 minutes. <laughs> um, yeah, von Rensberg was ace. Like, really, really ace. And he is quick. I mean, he doesn't look quick sometimes. And sometimes. He, he didn't look quick about 18 months ago. Yeah. But remember what he was like <laughs> in Super Rugby. I yeah. mean, the guy is destructive. Yeah. Um, yeah, just disappoint, Just disappointing. Not angry, but disappointed. Yeah. Neutrals, neutrals disappointed everywhere. Yeah, for, I mean, for the Premiership oh. in general, yeah. 
neutrals massively disappointed and um deprees the multiple deprees all disappointed not least of which because uh, one of the Dupree's indiscretion, JP uh, Jean-Luc Dupree's indiscretion on 70 minutes gave Edinburgh, well, it gave him a yellow card yeah. and it gave Edinburgh uh, the winning penalty for just a, a dull... Brain dead penalty. No, no arms tackle, not even an attempt to wrap. Yeah. It, it hits him in the head. It's a yellow card. Yeah, it just, It's just dull. Yeah, it was. Be, be better, guys. Come on. So Edinburgh have an, have an outside chance at Champions Cup quarterfinals. Really, the top six, though, is where it's going to come from. Leinster, Wasps, Bordeaux, La Rochelle, Scarlets, Edinburgh. That pull- Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. B is much, much tougher. The, yes. the, the pools are so mismatched. So pool B, Leon top with 10 points. Uh, Rassing second with 10 points, and Rassing looked pretty classy against Christ. Queens, didn't they? Have I got this right? Was the win against Northampton, not Northampton, Gloucester for Leon, their first ever victory in the European Cup? I think that's right, yeah. Bloody oh, hell. Oh, yeah. Because we had. Uh, yeah, a couple of that's seasons... right, because it was a couple of seasons ago, or last season, when JB said. Leon, trust me, are going to be the surprise package yeah. of the Champions Cup. And then they were because they didn't win a game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> talk, talk sport <laughs> didn't phob- even get a point. Yeah, Talk Sport phoned me up and said, yeah, can you come on and do uh, you know, a little <laughs> section on the preview for the European Cup? I was like, yeah, of course I can. Dead, dead knowledgeable. With my inside track into the Leon squad, I was like, yeah, these guys will surprise you. They're a serious outfit. Not a single point was scored. Well, <laughs> they're a serious outfit now. Yeah. Sitting pretty yeah. at 10 points. Um, was that courtesy of a called-off game? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. I can't remember who they had. Glasgow, was it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. by the way, it seems to be re-signing, um, what's his name? Duncan Weir. Oh, uh, to replace the, uh. the void left by. Oh, there you go. In the in the fly-off merry-go-round, so uh, Adam Hastings comes to Gloucester. Duncan Weir yes. goes to Glasgow. Worcester need a 10. Cipriani. No, there that, you go. That's not, that's not where you want to be returning <laughs> there to. There you go. Done. Oh, <laughs> Glasgow. Concerning Duncan Weir, that does not strike me like a good move. It doesn't sound like the right move. It sounds to me, because of the way Glasgow play, that they need to get a young 10 who was preferably Scottish. He's in the Scottish squad. Yeah, Duncan but, Weir's in the Scotland squad. Yeah, but he's going as a player first and foremost with the option as a coach later on. I don't get me wrong. He should, he should go, but I don't think he should be with their primary... I mean, that's not what Glasgow's there for. Glasgow is there to develop young... Scottish internationals. 
Yeah, in- young Scottish eligible South Africans in five years. Exactly. Who are Scottish eligible in five years. Time, yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the whole COVID thing, that's one of the biggest problems, is it's limited the number of South Africans that, <laughs> that Glasgow and Edinburgh can get into their squad before the end of the year when the laws change to five years from three. Exactly. Someone think of the Scots. Yeah, seriously. So anyway, <laughs> I, I like Duncan Weir going back because Glasgow and Edinburgh, as much as you say that, they, w- they want to be performing in the Champions Cup to get their players exposed to... High-level games there. Yeah, look, I, I I like the guy. I like him a lot. And I think, actually, him coming to Worcester was the perfect meeting of minds. His style fits exactly what Worcester needed. So I'd be very, very careful before leaving there. Particularly to go back to a club which didn't want you in the end. I mean, you've got to remember, they got rid of him to, to, to Edinburgh. Yeah. Um so- I mean, that was partly because they had Finn Russell on the books, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, but I'm, you know, I'm not forgetting that. Redemption, though, redemption <laughs> stories are great. I like redemption I, stories. Yeah, and, and I, homecomings. I think Duncan Way, he's 29. Um, he can be, uh, and he, he's been around the block. He, he's seen a few few things. Been to a couple of World Cups. I've been to one World Cup. Um, I think he uh, could be a good role model for the next Finn Russell up and coming. The next uh, South African film or Glasgow sign. Or Adam Hastings. The next Adam Hastings. The next so, Adam, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, the next, next Adam, Adam Hastings. Hastings. I don't think anyone could be a role model for the next Finn Russell. They're, they're just unique <laughs> individuals, aren't they? There was someone that I know that went to university in Glasgow and Finn Russell used to come down and help coach every now and again. Yeah. When, he was, when he was sort of just, you know, fresh-faced and everything. I think he was, in, was he an international by this point. Anyway, they said, and I don't think I'm being unkind, I'm sure Finn Russell, in fact, I've chatted to Finn Russell a few times, he'd he'd volunteer this story himself. He used to turn up to training with two Tesco, me- two Tesco lunch meals <laughs> in a carrier bag and just <laughs> chomp away at them while coaching the team. But it was exactly as you would imagine, probably Finn Russell coaching. He just he basically just be kind of like no 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 what you want to do is just do this yeah miss three it's that guy <laughs> yeah. what who would so be the just... ideal uh, mentor for Finn Russell like Dan Bilzerian or someone <laughs> <laughs> so Finn Finn Russell's describing how he's looking one way looking to the left hand side and throwing a three man <laughs> triple miss uh, off his left hand. <laughs> <laughs> both, both his boots are untied. Yeah. Look left, look left, but you're throwing it right. Where to? <laughs> just, just if you kick it as if you're kicking right, but kick it off the outside of your foot to your winger who's <laughs> behind you that you're not actually looking at, and land it straight on them so they can canter in. Yeah, I, there'd, there'd be incredible training sessions. Should we talk uh, a little bit about? Oh, um, well, can I just tell Rassing? you? I just remind, it just reminded me of something. I want to share a story with you about a weird coaching drill that we once did. At Cold Bay Rugby Club. Go on. So we were trying to coach ourselves per, per, <laughs> peripheral vision. I haven't told you this story. Is this this is because of Clive Woodward? Do you remember he had the uh, the visual coach? He had, yeah. yeah. After they won the '03 World Cup, one of the things Clive Woodward did is he had a I can't remember what the name of the coach was, but he had basically an eyesight coach. Yeah. To get them to yes. play with different balls and things like that. That's right. So they could move their eyes independently which I'm sure isn't a thing but anyway it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. <laughs> That's, they're not lizards <laughs> I can do that after about 12 pints <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so we had this guy who'd show up to Cold Bay and we paid him and he was 90% of the stuff he did is brilliant he's like have bungee cords parachutes to run with Little Hurdles, uh, SAQ and that was all the rage you know you ever see Little Hurdles though? Or do you, you do sometimes in warm ups to be fair 
Oh, yeah, little, yeah. little speed, agility, quickness. Yeah, yeah, things, yeah. yeah. Like, like the, the ladders and the little speed ladders and the little mini hurdles. Yeah, all that sort of uh, all, all that sort of jazz. So he lines up loads of posts, Joe, the flag posts, right, in like a shoe, in a horseshoe shape, and from one side, a lad starts running and weaves in and out of these, uh, in and out of this horseshoe, right, all the way around. And on the other side, a lad also start also starts running on the other side of the side of of of, um, of this horseshoe, and we're encouraged to go as fast as we can. And then when we spot the other lad in our prefer- uh, in our <laughs> peripheral vision, we're then meant to dodge him, and it was utter <laughs> carnage. This massive collisions right here, right, yeah. right to the point. <laughs> like no ball involved, Mate, no nothing. I think you need to join the. Well, I'm not trying to be too flippant about a very serious thing, but I think you need to join the concussion lawsuit for that drill alone. By the <laughs> it, was, of it. it was incredible drill, incredible. So, so I, I remember a drill essentially where it was a similar thing. It was trying to be like awareness peripheral vision <laughs> type thing, and they had someone had got these rings, so like a um, like a hula hoop type ring, but not quite as big. Yeah, like yeah, half, yeah. Maybe half a meter across instead of a meter across, so you couldn't actually hula hoop with it. And on the ring, it had three balls, and the balls were about the size of cricket balls. Yeah. One, one, one red, one yellow, and one blue. And the person who extra- explained the drill obviously didn't know what they were for, but kind of made up this drill without thinking it through, which was you get one of these rings each, and you stand five meters apart, uh-huh. and you frisbee it to, to the other person. No. And while it's in, while it's in midair... <laughs> Well, it's in midair. The coach calls out the the colour of one of the three balls on it, and you have to catch the ball. No, when, when it's being frisbeed at you, it's going at like two thousand RPM. So you've got it's impossible. It's, it's absolutely <laughs> impossible. It's, it's kind of like trying to catch hypno disc. <laughs> it was. You're just totally, glad. Yeah, totally... you, you're glad to catch it, so it doesn't wallop you in the face. Let alone what, yeah. what, which color ball on it you're going to grab. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. You, you're, good luck trying to catch it. Never mind catch it on this particular point. It was ridiculous. Yeah, don't, gave, gave it up after about five minutes. Don't I, look. Use your prefer, uh, peripheral vision. I miss. You just mentioned it. Then that was, I, I miss doing SAQ drills. That, that honestly, that I got so much better at rugby when I started doing those because they they became fashionable in they about were very fashionable, in they? about. 2001 something like that yeah about that and i started doing them then and but i got so much my footwork got so much better yeah i do not know how much they improve you or not i i i think the fact that you're working we worked so hard doing these drills particularly with um the bungee sprints they were night and bungee sprints and parachute sprints were absolutely horrific so definitely it definitely improved you fitness wise no it was it was the change of direction yeah but then yeah we had all the yeah but you'd have to do like your ladder, bang, 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 and then sprints at the end, and we'd, you'd work so bloody hard doing it. We'd do a good four, four yeah. minutes a, a week on that. Anyway. I always, I always really like those SAQ and and parachutes or weighted sprints, that kind of stuff. Whether it made a, a difference or not, God knows. But I, I found it quite enjoyable. It's a, it's a fun vests. way to train oh, that that stuff. You could do a training session and not get injured, Phil. That was quite oh, sleds. Good that, well, that was the well, one. I, I did, I did use a lot of that stuff repeatedly rehabbing. Uh, but then I would always get injured again, so maybe it did no good at all. Racing ninety two just looked like, and that the French sides this year. We didn't get to see to lose this weekend. We saw Claremont obviously get beaten by Munster, but nevertheless, for t- yeah. twenty minutes at least, Claremont looked immense. Racing ninety two just they've just got a swagger, and I think I might be stealing your man crush, Phil. I, I've I really love Maxime Machineau. 
Oh, he's so handsome. He's so handsome. He's brilliant. He's so good. Uh, but he's not even their first choice. I know. Is he not? Uh, Iribaran. Is he? Iribaran, yeah. Don't you remember him doing that ridiculous reverse pass, miss four to Teddy Thomas? I remember Iribaran becoming the first choice and winning a top 14 final because Mashnode was injured. He, he started the Champions Cup final a, a couple of months back. Yeah. Mashnode is... Was it... Was Did he not... Did Mashnode not get red card? That was about three years ago. Did Mashnode not get red carded? In the final that they won, yes, that there was that final, and Phillips replaced him. But there's another final where Ibrahim was kicking. But hang on, they, they won, won that tw- final. Have they won it twice? That doesn't sound right to me. No. because there's seven different winners, so I don't think they've won it twice. I don't think. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. When who did they beat? Rassing, they... Rassing have only won it in well, in the last have, no, they haven't won it. Years. They haven't yeah, won they have. it. Yeah, but they, did, no, they won it not recently. They won it in twenty. They won it in 2016. Wrestling won it in 2016 when Mashinode got red carded. So, but Phillips would have replaced him. I'm sure. I'm. I've got a weird feeling of deja vu that we've had this exact conversation. Yeah, I think before. we have. I think you're right. And I think I said exactly the same. Have they won it? Yeah, they've definitely won it. They've definitely won it. But I, I do was... remember. Even no, no, no. Final, I'm, I'm only final. thinking they haven't won it because they've they got three. Uh, they got three, either semi-finals or finals in a row, and getting knocked out, or maybe four. Yeah. The, they um, weirdly, they didn't. Well, they did have a scrum half on the bench, but they they didn't make a replacement. So Mashinode got red carded after 19 minutes. Racing still won the game against a Toulon team that included oh, yeah. Habana, um, Gitto, Bastaro, Tuisova, uh, wow. Samu Manoa, Stefan Armitage, Fernandez Lobby, Gorgodza, like uh, Gilhelm Gil- Gil- Girardo. Like I bet, I bet legit... they had a diminutive winger that they moved in to scrum half. They did. They had a diminutive 15 that they moved. Well, I'm assuming they moved him to scrum half. <coughs> just looking at the team sheet. Him off? No. Oh, is it, well, is it? Is it the... Um... Oh, what's his face? I can't remember. He's been playing back yeah. in the French shirt for the first time. Yeah, what's the guy's name? The... What's the guy's name? Oh, uh, bro... no, um, not Bryce. Uh, yes. Yeah, Bryce Dulan. Bryce Dulan. Bryce Dulan. I assume he went because they had a scrum half on the bench who did not come off the bench for the 80 minutes. Wow. Yeah. Remarkable. That is remarkable, actually. Uh, yeah. It, it's becoming a theme. This diminutive winger is becoming a thing. Yes, it is. It, like Mike, Mike La- Mac Lowry uh, for Lowry. Ulster. I mean, he's at a fullback, but these little hot stepping, little diminutive back three players. It's I really fashion, like it? that it's becoming a fashion. I really like it. Yeah. Well, just on Rassing. You know what stands out to me? I know we just had a long old chat about Finn Russell, but all the players that they select in their back division, they just play the game with a certain level of joy, which is rare. Uh, you know, Curtly Beale, Teddy Thomas, Simon Zebo. These guys all like to play rugby. They all like you know, you know, being fancy, sh- showing off. Yeah, you know, in the best way possible. And when you mix them all, all, all together, it's just magical. And all led, of course, by Finn Russell. And not many teams. Can play thirteen. Can play Curtly Beal at thirteen, and say that that is the less creative option than their usual thirteen. <laughs> it's a very good point. I, I like seeing because you you do wonder when uh, you've obviously got Beal and um, Zebo in there. You do wonder about um, are you going to waste one of them because um, they can't both play fullback 
at the same time, which is probably, in my opinion, their best, both of their best positions. But yeah. I thought I thought Finn Russell was great at thirteen. Sorry, Finn Russell. I thought Curly Beal was great at thirteen. Yeah, it's amazing um, that they get so much out of all of them. Yeah, yeah. I, I think like Curly Beal's beauty. He's played. He's played 10, he's played 12, he's played 13, he's played wing internationally, and he's played 15. He's such a valuable player to have in your squad, and he can do all of that uh, incredibly well. He'll, he will fit in magnificently in that team. Yeah, yeah, he's he's just, he's just great. I mean, you know, and also the lads on, lads on, on the bench, Imhoff, Tran Duke, the guy who we were referring to earlier who's not even in, in the squad. His name's just escaped, you know? What's his name, Phil? Uh, Brice Doulan. No, no, the other one who is even oh, better. Oh, Teddy Iribaran. No, 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 the one that's even better. Vakatawa. Vakatawa, oh, yes. sorry, the 13. Yes. Maybe the best player on the planet. One, yes. of, one of, without a doubt. So so the sta- the standings in pool two currently, Leon 10 points, Racing 10 points, uh, Toulouse 10 points, Munster 8 points, and then you get into the 5th to 8th position. Claremont are still in it with 6 points. Bristol courtesy of a win at Connacht, are still in with a shout uh, with six points. Exeter Who knows? staring down the barrel, having to go to Toulouse uh, and pick up mm. a win there on five points. That's going to be a tough one. Although they did it, well, no, they won at home not so long ago. And uh, yeah. Gloucester um, on five points, who I don't think will be thinking too much about Champions Cup, albeit Who knows? Oh, they could go to Ulster and get a win and then then they're they're in the mix for the final for the final round, but uh, some some of the big guns are going to come through there, but a, a couple of big teams of that particular pool are going to go out, and it looks like at this point, courtesy of COVID, it could be Exeter. Yeah. So, mm. what, were uh, the, what were the other talking points on our little to-do list? Well, this is going to be, this is going to raise some hairs. Uh, Alison Pollock is back in the news. Oh, I know. Uh oh. Uh oh. It's never good when Alison Pollock is back in the news. Um, Weirdly, she's been saying some good stuff on, <laughs> yeah, yeah. on coronavirus. She's a useful idiot in some ways, and uh, well, you know. <laughs> anyway, and this time she's bringing friends. So, 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 so uh, the name Alison Pollock. Uh, just to give any background, uh, she's a long-time activist, and I'm going to use that word. She's also a scientist, but she is also an activist. She's mostly an activist. Let's be absolutely when it comes to rugby, she is an activist. Yeah. Um, and she's uh, for a long time been trying to ban any young person from playing contact rugby. Yes, and um, this ties in with the very certainly sensitive, in, certainly in schools. Yes, in schools, and uh, this this uh, this ties in with the very sensitive and emotive topic of concussion. Which, if you didn't listen last week, we last well, a couple of podcasts we um, discussed at length, and is well worth checking out. But um, yeah, well, this time around, she's brought some friends with her, and they've all signed a letter as the as these academics do they've also signed an open letter going to the chief medical officer please ban contact sport in in rugby in um, in schools fine we've heard it all before nothing new here so i reached out to one of these academics and uh, i said look will you come and get uh, get interviewed by, uh, by myself for rugby dungeon and they've agreed to do so so i was doing a bit of research around this um and to be honest what I discovered is probably the most shocking thing I've ever read about rugby ever. Uh, I, I, you know, what what these people are trying to do at the moment is leverage the Steve Thompson case in order to get their own way um, around you know how children play ch- children play. play Never let a good crisis go to waste, right? Yeah, it is very very cynical, and the whole point about the Steve Thompson case is allegedly. 
World Rugby knew the risks and they didn't take proportionate action or or enough action. And I can see and 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 I can see that. So I'm reading their various websites and all the various claims that they're making. And one of these claims is if it is true, it is so shocking that I think we need to take it seriously. It's no good just saying, you know, she's an activist, um, therefore we should we should write it off. We have to deal with the actual claim here. And they claim that women's rugby or women playing rugby are something like four hundred percent more likely to to suffer a concussion than boys. Right? So I mean that is it let's just take that on face value for a second. I am willing to play rugby. I am I am aware of the risks. But if I thought rugby was 400% more likely to give me a concussion, not even I would play, 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 play the sport. So I've looked into this a little bit further. And it does seem to be uh, very difficult to prove this 400%. But anecdotally, from lots of other sports, from horse riding to football to absolutely everything, women suffer a lot more concussions than men. So I raised this with um, with uh, Ross Tucker um, over Twitter, who sent me some really interesting links, and he put me onto an article written by Jessica Hayden, who writes for, writes writes for Rugby Pass. And in my mind, this is in, it is indisputable now that we know that the risks for women playing uh, rugby and, me- and and many other sports, but in this case, we're just going to talk 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 about rugby is substantially higher. Than, than, than it is for men. Um, and this is, all comes down to neck strength. So allegedly you can train the neck to be more supportive of the head and that seems to limit concussion. That's at least one of the theories. Uh, but of course, if you're making girls play this game as amateurs and they're getting massively concussed, they don't have time to go into the gym every day or get elastic bands and train their neck for six months before they play. So, I, unbelievably, I think she might have a point here. Like, if this game is that dangerous for young girls, what the hell are we doing Doing letting them play? And second of all, if we know it's that dangerous and it is openly available information, um, I mean, this, come back to, this comes back to the Steve Thompson point. If we know this, why is there not a law variation for the women's game as opposed to the men's game? Because they are different f- physiologically. Well, you're going to get a certain slice of uh, rugby Twitter coming at you for just even saying that, that there's a difference between men and women physiologically. Well, I mean, there, I mean, there clearly is. Now, my, what I would say on this is the, the laws need to be... You know, the, further information needs to be gathered always, but I'm, I'm happy just to take this on, on face value for, for now, OK? Just, just to play the mind game with it. Um, if a woman wants to go and play, play rugby... Uh, more power to her because I wouldn't play a game which is four times more dangerous than the rugby which I play, right? And if you're a professional and you're doing your S and C and you're strengthening your neck and that makes an actual difference, mm-hmm. as these studies 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 suggest, that's absolutely brilliant. But I think we need to think very carefully if before saying, "Oh, this is great. All girls should pe- um, all girls should play it. Um, you know, it's the future of rugby." more participation, yada, 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 if it's that dangerous. Well, uh, uh, sorry, Phil, do you want to jump in before I... Before I... Yeah, well, I, I guess the point I was going to make was, so I, I would be I, I, take, taking what you're saying, Jay, at face value, which I, I'd actually be really interested to um, to read the Ross Tucker stuff that he shared you, because I, I always love Ross Tucker's writing, and he, he is someone who goes to um, 
the detail of the science and yeah. the evidence and the facts. But take, taking that at face value, it, it's terrifying. It's, it's really worrying. And it's if that is freely available, then this is exactly to my point last week that in the Steve Thompson case, um, they will be trying to prove that World Rugby were basically behind the science, their protocol. The science had moved on and there was evidence to show that more needed to be done with whatever it is, tackle height, concussion protocols, taking people out of action, resting people longer, all the rest of it. And World Rugby were behind the science, so they didn't keep up with it. Then that is where the the risk for, for World Rugby is. If this is the case for women's rugby and they're, they're, people are aware of this and it is significantly more dangerous then something needs to be done. And you've probably highlighted a few things that, that can be done but, um, in the next strengthening, but it may also need to be that it's um, like law, like genuine law variations because of uh, fundamental differences in the way the, and the consequences of playing the game the same. I would exercise... I, I, oh, sorry, go on, Phil, finish. Point, sorry. I just got to say, I'd, I'd really like to see that, um, that Ross Tucker stuff because I do like, I really like... Um, his way of thinking. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I would I would exercise caution because mm. we're jumping potentially way in at the deep end on the basis of, of taking things at face value which we do not understand. The first point of which is research conducted by people who have an agenda cannot be trusted and I don't know how peer-reviewed this study has been but that that would be a massive flag and researchers have to declare conflicts of interest and things like that when mm-hmm. they conduct it um how big a sample size is this what was the what was the hypothesis when they came up with it quite often you see stuff in the newspaper that says uh, chocolate gives you cancer yeah and <laughs> and the way they come up with that is they they just pluck out a couple of random numbers from a study that might not have been trying to find what's the relationship between cancer and yeah. chocolate and they go oh look there's a oh look there's more people who have cancer ate chocolate so chocolate causes cancer. So uh, that's how it comes up with. So you, the methodology, what were they trying to study? Um, what was the sample size? Was it statistically significant? Was it a causal link rather than a correlational link? All of the, None of those, I don't know anything about those things. Yeah. All I do know is that the people that are saying this has come about um, have a agenda, which, so there's, there's red flags going. So I'm not saying, I'm not discounting it. I'm saying... Do not start. Let's not start talking about rugby needs to do this. This is a, this is an emergency on the basis of what you've said. Okay. So, so let me just um, see if I can change your mind a bit, a bit on this. There's anecdotal evidence around it from other activities too. Um, so there's studies in football which show uh, show an increase in, in, in concussion. There's studies in horse An- Anecdotes. Um, there are also statistical significance, causal, correlational. Okay. So car crashes. Women are seventy percent more likely to die in car um, uh, uh, in car crashes for the, for this exact reason. Uh, they're also more likely to get injured co- coming off a bike because um, because of the strength of the neck and then the head bouncing off the b- bouncing off the road. So, actually, everything that you read, which is not rugby, regarding head you know, regarding he- head injuries and the difference of the sexes, does tend to support this now. I think the real issue what, what, is... The, the difference being that the, an impact in a car, car accident or falling off a bike would be or, the, a would, would, or a horse would be the same for a man and a woman, whereas the, the collisions in rugby would not be the same for a, a man and a woman. Yeah, so, so, so the, the, the relative right. point. You're absolutely right. So uh, there is a study from Swansea University 
the lady's name escapes me. But if you want to find out, uh, Rugby Pass, uh, Google Jessica Hayden, uh, you'll find it. It is a, treme- it is a tremendous a tremendous um, article. Um, a lot of these concussions are not ha- happening in the tackle or in the collision. They're happening when uh, the woman hits the floor and then her head bangs off the floor. That is that is that it's 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 that whiplash uh, motion yep. more more than anything else, and that can't re- can't really be stopped. So um, you know, I do think uh, that Pollock is completely wrong, particularly on the men's game and the boys' game. But we have to take it very very seriously. Oh yeah, if it is. You know, if this is true about the women's I'm, game, I'm, I'm saying I can see well, looks like it is. I'm saying research should be done, but there's other things as well, which is, and this could be cultural, and it could be a, a male, female, or it could be a rugby culture thing. How many concussions? How how readily are people reporting concussions? This, and may, yeah. maybe women well, are, are reporting concussions this, much more readily than men. And this is exactly what was brought up. So are men just more reticent to report it? You know, yeah. I mean, there are other there are other things that might explain away some of the difference, but the difference is so vast. It looks almost certainly as if women suffer uh, concussions. I'm not. Well, the, get, don't get me wrong. I'm not discounting it. Yeah. Exercise caution. Let's get let's get some research done rather than try and make a massive issue out of something which we don't know is an issue. There may be a question that needs to be answered. Let's go and find out. Well, yeah, no, go on, go on, I, I, I would I would agree with that, and I think I, I was saying like I I do want to see. Um, more evidence and um, the, the data on this. And what I don't want to do in this podcast is just um, terrify everyone, men or women, Too right. um, to, to not play the game that we all love and have got so much benefit out of as the three of us. But it, it is, it's un, I think it is definitely an area, both both on the men's side and the women's side, that there needs to be more research and there will be, um, given the, the state of, the state of um, the game and the awareness that there is in the game at the moment. Yeah. And another there element, will be more uh, yeah. research, which is say, a good there thing. is actually an RFU study, which says that there is no difference between concussions of young, young, uh, young boys and and young girls. Uh, say if the women's game is more risky, I believe it is. I, I, in fact, I'm absolutely positive of it now. Just reading through as much as I've read on Thursday and Friday, there should be changes to the game for young girls playing. So what I would then say is if we look at Steve Thompson's case and we're saying, well, are we ahead or behind the science? If I can find this data out, right, has, has rugby acted on, on, on this? And are we too quick as a sport to be encouraging people into the game to get our participation numbers up without thinking of the end safety consequence? I haven't said this isn't an issue. I've said control for those variables, make sure it's robust research before we start saying statements like girls shouldn't play rugby. I mean, if you believe that all this data is wrong, um, you know, fine. But to me, it looks fairly robust because a lot of these studies are not done by sports governing bodies. They're done by people who are trying to, you know, um, save people from brain injuries, from car crashes or cycle accidents. So, you know, you, you would have to look at all, all, all the studies. But collectively, it, it paints a very, very grim picture. Do you, do you have any thoughts, Phil? I, th- I think there's there's merits on both sides of this, but... but... I don't think Tim is saying anything unreasonable. As in, oh, neither, neither I or Tim, we, we are taking your word on this. Um, we, and I'm not questioning the fact that there are these studies. Neither I nor Tim have, have read any of them. Mm. Um, I, I totally trust, if Ross, if Ross Tucker is saying it, I would totally trust the validity of those studies. But um, if Ross Tucker is highly plugged into world rugby, as in he is on every single one of their panels around injury injury 
um, analysis, concussion analysis, law variations and all the rest of it. So if he's aware of it, well, it, it's worrying that uh, World Rugby has not done anything about it up to yeah. this point. Yeah, um, and, you know, and perhaps perhaps that indicates that there's more to it, or perhaps it indicates that something is being done at the moment. Yeah, and... but yeah, I, I would. I, I think to end this point, I do want to reiterate what I said before because I think it, it is important to say. Um, the, I, I don't want anyone to go away from this just being terrified of rugby. Yeah. Um, well, can, pa- I, can, parents, I, can, can I just say some pa- other things parents... that will unterrify you somewhat? So Sorry, the... turn again. So, to unterrify you somewhat. Okay, go on. So, in women's sevens, for instance, there doesn't seem to be a difference or a substantial difference between concussions between men and women. Okay, that 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 be one. Pollock's own data, which he um, pulled out from a study from Collins at Al in two fifty in two thousand fifteen. So she's not even researching it; she's just plucking out data yeah, from other people's studies. It, uh, actually, said that there was no difference. So. She's changed her stance since then. Um, and also an RFU study said that there are no differences. However, the Swansea University said there's a huge... Uh, Swansea yeah. University said there's a huge, huge, huge difference. Yeah. There's an article which I've been shared here from Forbes, which is the, gen- which is the gender, gender concussion gap. Uh, and also there is the new evidence that Pollock and co. are hawking about, which says four, uh, says says four times more. Yeah. And if you look at all the other evidence around concussions and head injuries outside of sport, that's what I'm saying. Okay. That is the really worrying well, part. Well, the the one cool thing, and it's, sorry I'm being such a nose, the whole point of science is you test a theory, and then once you've tested it, other people take that result and they try and repeat it. The whole point of it is to get to a point where you can repeat the study multiple times at any time and always get the same result and by the sounds of it and i'm not saying your your concerns are ill-founded it sounds like the results is really is really variable where my head at is with what i've read about it so far good pun is thank you (laughs) is with the women's game once you are a professional and you've got professional snc a lot of the risks can, can be mitigated a lot of them come mm. through S&C. Yeah. And by the way, that's a really interesting point too, right? Yeah. So we're constantly told that you know you can't train for a head injury. Sounds like you can. I mean, I'm not saying it's a, it's a foolproof solution, but it sounds like something something can, 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 uh, something can be done. Particularly whiplash. Yeah. So yeah. concussions. And friend friend of the pod um, and current uh, Australian scrum coach Petrus Duplessis does a lot of work. So he's a former physio. Uh, and does all, and obviously um, very experienced tight head prop does a huge amount of work with all of the teams that he plays in and coaches on specifically neck strength. Yeah, but the, uh, but what I'm saying is where the problem might well be is getting young girls to play. So I'm not saying girls shouldn't play if they want to play, they can play and they can join join a club. But if you're going to put this thing into schools, I hate to. Uh, say i think she has a point pollock but on the girls game i think there should be law variations to make it safer well well, okay well there are law variations at younger ages yep like so they they graduate the amount of contact they graduate the type of contact they have different laws so that you gradually are are introduced to the game and i I, hey even if it doesn't matter whether, whether we're talking about women girls boys whatever any research which conclusively i'm reliably and consistently shows a certain issue for anyone we should get to the bottom of that and then you know make make changes accordingly 
I just I don't. And again, this is we haven't done this for a while. We haven't had a sort of heated discussion, but I think we're actually all on the same page. I'm just I'm just all I'm warning against is trying to create any sort of hysteria among anyone. Yeah, well, you know, for me, it's very, it, it, it's very worrying. And if this turns out to be even close, I mean, what is undoubtedly true is there are more concussions in women's sports uh, for young girls. It, you know, it seems to you know crop up over and over and over again through through uh, the, the whiplash scenario, not through yes. through yeah, because I think a lot of people might come away from the conversation thinking, oh, the, the collisions will cause more. But I think we could probably say, based on what you've said, it's men are designed from whiplash yeah. type things. This is a, a horribly sexist uh, and then comment. Women pre- are design, men are designed to hit each other. Well, what, what about pre prepubescent <laughs> boys versus post prepubescent boys? If it was, if it was, presumably you would find no difference between girls and prepubescent uh, young girls and prepubescent boys Good at question. a younger age. It, that that would, if based on if it was purely on physiological cha- differences between men and women, um, then that would be something which you would see in the data. I would imagine they haven't done much data on. 11 year old boys and girls hardly any very very few you know it's the reason i think it's such an interesting story is because we've had a huge inclusivity drive and if that inclusivity drive has been at the risk of people that that we're trying trying to include it's completely counterproductive Uh, that's uh, mm. that's why i think it's a big story a big yeah it is an if at the moment in my mind yeah but let's let's see how this plays out correct Yep. Correct. But no, inter- in- really interesting point. Uh, next week's games. Yes. So we're back to Premiership action on uh, Boxing Day, Saturday. Oh, yeah. So well, are, you, are you working any of these? Uh, Northampton, Worcester. Oh, are you? Ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You said before this will be interesting. Uh, will Exeter's game be cancelled? Depends. Think you fancy rugby draft selection. Uh, oh, oh, no. The only, the only player that scores me any points is Joe Simmons. <laughs> Sam Simmons. Joe Simmons. Uh, ooh, Can I just say that, that I find that really refreshing. At a time when, um, when, I'll say Twitter, for example, but a lot of conversations in general, people talk right across each other and, <laughs> and uh, talk across each other, name call at each other, I think that was a really good example of being able to come at something from to- two totally different perspectives, maybe have different opinions in some respects, and kind of listen to each other. Yeah. I, I just quite. I mean, I, I still think I still strongly believe that you're a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Tim. At one point, JB was uh, talking over you, saying, "You're shouting, Tim. You're getting angry. You're shouting." But besides <laughs> that, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Besides that little snippet, Look, it, yeah. it was. <laughs> so. uh, so we'll start with Bath London Irish or Bath first team versus Bath second team. Bath West v Bath East. <laughs> uh, sorry, London Irish West v London Irish East. Yes. Where, where, which ground is this at? Bath. Wreck. Uh, oh, Bath have had a nice little rest. Oh, and there's no Friday night game. What a dis- Oh, of course there's not. <laughs> <laughs> How dare they? What a disgrace. That is a disgrace. Rubbish. I'd love to have a, a, a Christmas game. I, in the NFL. I spent the first christmas with my brother that he had not as a rugby player and he just i've never seen a man just go to town because the number of times he has games on boxing day <laughs> yes and exactly. just can't get stuck in he properly went for it <laughs> they told they used to tell stories about like what arsenal would do over christmas and like oh they'd all be at the chain training ground on christmas day for turkey pasta it sounds so miserable oh 
that so that's that post uh, Tony Adams in his time as Arsenal c- captain, I imagine. Yeah, it was actually. I can't remember where I got that bit of information from. Tony Adams, the ex-chairman of Rugby League. <laughs> Rugby, Rugby League. League, of course. And the greatest photo of all time. Yep. <laughs> uh, Bath should beat London Irish, right? Yeah. Yeah, fine. Yes. Um, the abysmal Harlequins versus the brilliant Bristol Bears. This can only go one way, can't it? Oh, Quins was... Quins. Quins do some things very nicely and then... I mean, they might as well have not even bothered showing up this week. That was an awful, awful performance right throughout it. Yeah, it was. I mean, they literally would have been better off having uh, uh, having COVID. Literally, and they, and they get the week off too. Yeah, much, much better. Only a twenty-eight point to nil um, <laughs> battering if they get COVID. Ridiculous. Um, there's something wrong with Quins. I can never put my finger on exactly what it is, but in a way, they quite like it. I feel. I feel they quite like being, you know, sometimes good, sometimes bad. <laughs> I bet you after we, I bet you they sneak a win. I'm going to go home win. Narrow home Quinns win. Yeah, no. Bristol. Hmm. Bristol had a tough trip away. Well, Bristol, tough place to go to, to the west coast of Ireland. Quinns, nice at home. Park all the Maseratis right close to the ground and then get absolutely battered by <laughs> Racing 92 and then drive their comfortable Maseratis away. Yeah, lovely. Uh, um, like, give me, give me. I, I think I might be with you, Tim. Give me Quins. I can't go against Bristol. Uh, really interesting game next up. Yeah. Two teams that we've not seen uh, throughout Europe because I don't know what they've been doing, but they've not been doing good things. Uh, actually, I do know what they've been doing. Leicester have beaten Breve and they've beaten Bayonne. So that's interesting. Yeah, Newcastle with a, a massive uh, change team went away to France and won, didn't they? Yes. So. Mm. They have been up to something, but we've not been covering them. Now, this could actually matter. And I'm starting to think, this is a really big shout now, but I'm starting to think that maybe Leicester might have something about them. They'll have Ford, they'll have Youngs, they'll have whoever else whoever else that, that they were... Youngs and young, uh, Youngs. Ford. Uh, well, it's Ford. just Youngs and Ford. Gen- That's kind of it. Genge. Genge, yes. Okay. So they've actually won some games, which must feel unusual for them. <laughs> um, if I was them, I would leave Youngs on the bench and start with Wigglesworth because he's better. Mm. Um, I think they're going to win this, and th- and their back row is physical. I mean, they leave um, Tolafua on the bench and then bring him on in the second Talfua. half. Talafua, yeah. yeah. So I tend to think who got I'm... broken into again. What? Yeah, he, uh, he he tweeted out that he's just got back from another away trip to find he's been broken into for the second time. Horrible. And he just said to to whoever's doing this, um, and you wonder if they if it's if it's when he's been on two away trips he's been burgled whether they know. He, yeah. Anyway, he it just used, he said, it, it, "I dare I dare you to try it when I'm in, and so I can rearrange your face." <laughs> Is how he put it. Wow. So I'm just looking at the team sheet here of the team that they put out against Bayon, uh, when Tafua got uh, burgled. And conspicuously, uh, George Ford is not in this team. So George Ford would have the knowledge, presumably the motive. <laughs> yeah, um, It seems pretty pretty open and shut to me. <laughs> Zach Henry uh, did the business for, for Leicester again. Yeah, and they've got lads like uh, Mary Varley settling in over the last two weeks. They, they could be quite good. They could be, they could be quite good. On, on the uh, burglary thing, it used to be a common thing... Um, 
with footballers. footballers. I think it's particularly Liverpool, Liverpool and Everton yeah. Yeah. footballers when they would go away to Europe and they're not there for for two or three days, they'd get burgled. Have you been burgled in Charlton, Tim? No, I haven't. And this is Touch one board. of the burg. Yeah, this is this is one of the burglary capitals of the country. I've been burgled twice in this house and at least twice in my other flat. And one of the times I entered through the balcony, and I was in in, in my room. And my friend, who uh, my friend and housemate at the time, twenty stone prop, was in his room, and we were burgled blind. And we both thought that we were listening to the other guy rearranging our furniture, and then he just <laughs> left. And the only reason that we thought something was up is because there's an enormous bang, because the burglar went downstairs into the underground garage with Pedder's keys, and then drove the car, just rammed it through the gate. No. Oh my god. That that's a loud bang. Um, yeah, and then we found the car about six months later in 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 Droylston. And the worst part about it was they left all of Pedder's CDs and my brown shoes, so they mustn't have liked either his taste of music or all my footwear. Mm. <laughs> your your footwear is not street enough, Jay. Yeah, yeah. I I also when I used to live in the crime capital of uh, the world in Cholton, uh, I also got burgled once. Uh, and it was about 6 p.m. on a on a weekday. I think it was a Wednesday evening in a shared house with four lads. And one of the lads was smoking out, out the back and oh, then went yeah. in through the through the back door, went in through the, the kitchen patio doors, didn't lock them behind. And someone, he, he walked up to the top floor and someone went in behind him and just went room to room, picked up a hold all and went laptop, iPad, phone, wallet, laptop, filled up the bag walked into the same room that this guy was standing in and then ran and scarpered. I believe, wasn't it? I, I've just remembered we did we did get burgled. Because, uh, yeah, it wasn't like a... We were in the house upstairs. It was a hot, sunny day. Uh, just left the back door open to get the breeze through. And I think Kate had just gone upstairs to do something and they just they just grabbed laptop phone Amazing, off the kitchen table. Re- like Unbelievable opportunism. They must have just been hanging about in the alleyway. Yeah, that's what I don't care yeah. about. Phil's like, they'd have to jump over his fence, try his door, and just be in luck. Yeah. Or, or they've, they've seen him and just seen him like yeah. pull the door to. But it, it was 6pm. 6, 6 it was a winter 6pm, so it was dark outside, but it, incredibly brazen. Yeah, yeah brazenness. Yeah. And it was when, when, we, when the police came around then, it was like the 11th burglary of that day. In, in, in that neck between they were covering I think Chorlton Stretford and Fallowfield the other one the uh, other one we've had is um, it, this is the most common um, crime in, in where around where we live they, he said that so many people just walk up the street and try every door on every car oh yeah I've seen that and like one in 30 will be open so, and on, on, just on one occasion we left ours open and they just grabbed the camera or something out of the boot so oh, I'll tell a story of what happened to me on Friday um, got kids in the car, uh, pulled up. Um, they get out one side, I get out the other side, and my daughter's decided because the door's not fully opening because it's hitting a wall. The only thing that she can do is kick the door harder, so it hits the wall harder. <laughs> so bloody hell! <laughs> so I'm already fairly angry. Get round. Both the kids are now out, out, out the car. I ask the older one to hold the hand of the hand of the younger one, and somehow. She misconstrues this, and the younger one trips up and falls face first into a massive puddle, like two or three inches worth of water. I'm like, bloody oh. hell. So now I'm really angry. Grab, grab both her hands, walk them in, and think no more of it. Next thing you know, it's on the the Charlton Facebook group. 
that there is a 595 Aboth, uh, which is nice been, wheels, nice wheels, fast, uh, <laughs> which, is, which has been broken into. They've vandalized the door and left the door open. And I thought, they haven't done that. I've just left the door open because I did it. <laughs> oh, that could have been your uh, little bit of evidence for an insurance claim, but JB. Do you know what for the insurance cle- scam? Yeah, do you know what the clever thing is there? If you were a car burglar and you're walking past and you've already seen the door open, you think, oh, someone's already been someone's there. Someone's already been there, nothing nothing of any worth there. Yeah, some yeah. walk on by. <laughs> good good tip, yeah. life hack. They could have had a five-point harness car seat if, they'd, <laughs> if only they'd gone and bothered. <laughs> uh, um, right, Falcons versus Tigers. Tigers what wins. are your predictions? Uh, I'm going to say Falcons are going to extend because they won again. I yeah. think Leicester. I've just got a feeling they're Falcons locks running out. Okay, cool. Ex- I think. I think give me, give me Falcons. Falcons at home, and Leicester will have their stars back. They'll do some nice things. George Ford will make a big difference. And Gary Graham, get ahead of the spokes. Yeah, they've got a monstrous back row. Um, do Leicester, but so so do Falcons, and that Leicester confidence will be shallow. And when Newcastle repeatedly stopped them on the gain line, yeah. like they did to uh, Bath, like they did to Sale, who were two big packs. Yeah, give me Falcons. Love it. Next. Uh, just so you know, Mark Wilson played the, uh, this weekend. So I could have Gary Graham, Mark Wilson in the same back row. Wow. That's nasty. Yes. That's me. Kings of the North. Kings of the North, indeed. Um, X to Gloucester. If the, if it goes ahead, Exeter. Yep. Yeah. Northampton Exeter by thirty or forty. Yeah, agreed. Northampton Worcester. Uh, Northampton. <sighs> they have to. They it has have to be. To. I it. truly believe that they will. Uh, where was Courtney Laws this weekend? No idea. No, I don't know either. Because <laughs> he played very well last weekend. Mm. Uh, Tamara Harrison was back on the bench this weekend. Notice, so he'll nearly be he will ne- nearly be fit. Furbank at fly half as well. Oh, did they? Yeah. Yeah, he did. He looked all right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's a, There was a few odd decisions. I don't know where they were coming from, whether it was, uh, <coughs> was Waller captaining or Wood, was yeah, Wood Alex captaining. Waller. Yeah. Anyway, there was a few odd decisions, but he, he didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Um, I don't think it'd be a long-term option there, but not, not a bad, fairly safe pair of hands. Yeah. And then probably second most interesting game of the week, Sail wasps. Hmm. That uh, is interesting. Yeah. Sail sail didn't play particularly well, but they did rest quite a, a few people. As long as, yeah, as long as I get AJ back in that starting lineup uh, in my fantasy rugby draft team, get yeah. him scoring a hat full of points, they'll be fine. I think yeah. that Sale have the exact formula to beat wasps. A very, very tasty round of breakdown when you want. A, a couple of Currys and um, whoever John else, Ross. yeah, John Ross, whoever else, it, whoever else it may be. And, and you know, if you make Willis's life really difficult, they're they're, they're going to struggle. I also think they'll be well equipped for the for the Barbary show. That said, wasps just beat everyone anyway, don't they? They just do it for fun. So who knows? It'll be very very interesting to see how this one break, uh, uh, breaks down. Wasps wasps have shown that they don't necessarily need a scrum. Yeah, uh, 
to to win the game. They don't necessarily need a line out, but they can they can win games that you wouldn't expect them to. Mm. But I, I still think, give me sale. Sale sale at home for me. Wasps, I think. I just mm. don't. Yeah, you know, they're, they're not playing well. Sale. There's no two ways about it. Give give me give me mm. sale. And there we go. We've wrapped up an epic podcast. How long was that, Tim? Two hours. Jesus. Yeah, I know. Oh well. We we, we took some twists and turns there, and. Um, Yes, we have one more podcast coming before Chris, uh, uh, our mailbag podcast. And a reminder that you can find us at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. You can email us, con- contact Chasers at gmail.com. He's at Jay Beardmore, I'm yep. at Cocker. Uh, we'll see you on the next one. Let the boys play. Let the boys play. Cool, yeah. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.